senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman! Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. This is episode 75, and got a special guest this week. Still a comedian, former Boston comedian, guy I've known for a long time, a guy I've had many, many geek conversations with. Still a comedian, now also an actor and a, a voiceover artist out in Los Angeles, John Keating. John, how you doing? Good. How you guys doing? Oh, I have an open beer. It's pretty good. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So pretty much things are just exactly the same. Exactly okay, the way they have always been, John. <laughs> I haven't changed a bit. And looking at you on the Skype, Jesus Christ, do you not age? Who did you make a fucking I... deal with? You know Faust, don't you? Talk to me. Yeah, there's a painting in my attic that's getting really old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, John and I met doing comedy many years ago when I was uh, mm -hmm. just starting out and I was just making my way out of open mic rooms. Now you and I met at a Billy Downs gig. Now, yeah. listen what does that mean, Rob? Me for that one. I, have you got paid for that one? I don't know if I have. Well, <laughs> listeners don't know what that means, but Billy Downs, he was one of the guys who, who started the comedy connection, which was the first honest to God comedy club in Boston. So if you were a new comedian coming out of open mics, working for Billy, sounded really fucking impressive yeah. oh you had a great pedigree yeah. oh absolutely <laughs> but it only went so far and uh it did not go as far as when we were working for him <laughs> right the reality was yeah you would never be paid but if he liked you if he really fucking liked you he might book you for one of his traveling summer camps full of seventh graders that he'd pack into the basement of some bar and you couldn't <laughs> curse and they would never no. ever laugh at your molly hatchet jokes it was just horrible <laughs> <laughs> that was just the kind of environment where John and I met. Yeah, that's where that's why I always laugh at people that that are like just kind of just stick to like Twitter and call themselves comics. It's like you do <laughs> you do you do a gig in Chelmsford after they've shut off the Stanley Cup finals. <laughs> <laughs> and then you come and talk to me about how you're a comic. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> They won't put the lid on the pool table and the people with right, the yeah, giant exactly. sticks and heavy throwing exactly. balls, they're getting irritated. But yeah, yeah. certainly, you know, you've got 1800 right. Twitter followers. Good for you. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, you're very you're you're totally a comedian. Yeah. yeah. Can we go back to I'm sorry. See, Rob can see you. I can't see you. Mm. <laughs> uh, can we can we go back to Rob? You had a Molly Hatchet joke. <laughs> <laughs> Are you calling me old now? Is that how no, I've I mean, in my life? <laughs> no, <laughs> just haven't heard the words Molly and Hatchet together continuously in years. <laughs> Neither of the members of Molly Hatchet, to tell you the truth. So, but uh. So yeah, we worked together a lot because you you started in yeah. comedy a little bit before I did. We were just about on the same level. You were a little further along than I was. Yeah, I started like ninety two. I think was when I first. Yeah, and I was ninety three. So I was I was a little bit okay, behind yeah. you, but yeah, we worked yeah. together a lot, and it was always cool because we could always talk about the geek shit. And yeah, I, I knew for a fact that you were an honest to god fellow traveler. The because the first time it was after we did uh, Goodfellas in Agawam, but the oh, first wow. which. <laughs> Which sounds as dire as it sounds in my head. It really is as dire <laughs> yeah. as you would imagine. Yeah. But uh, it's the yeah. first time I was ever in your home, and I walked in the living room, and you had framed on your walls 
at least one issue of detective comics, maybe a couple yeah. or I had, I had detective. I had a couple of Batman's and the weird thing is they weren't even special issues. They were just <laughs> literally just, Oh, this is a cool cover. I'm just going to put this up. Yeah. That was, they had no, <laughs> there was no significance to them. There, there was no like, Oh, this is a, you know, this is a, a mint copy of whatever, you know, detective 27. No, it's literally, just, <laughs> it was just random issues that I liked the cover of. Yeah. If you had a mint copy of detective 27 on your wall, number one, I'd bash your head in for exposing it to ultraviolet rays. And then I'd bash you again. So I get it the fuck out of there without police involvement. <laughs> As of that point, it's like, okay, yep. I know you're one of us. Now I also know yes, that yeah. you've been busy enough that you haven't been reading a ton of comics recently, although you read the ones that we're going to talk about this week. Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm mostly kind of uh, in, in my comics reading a lot has been um, I've been going back to uh, a lot of trades and um, I'm a big I'm a big comic strip geek as well. Like I have I have like all the Popeye collected strips from like the 1920, you know, from 1929 or whatever. Like I'm so I, I've been getting into that more And Astro City is always that's always something I read. I, I'm always a huge fan of that. Oh, yeah. That book's killer. Always has. Been. It's it, it's never bad. Like it, it never disappoints. It's always just great. Well, next time you're in Boston, I'll show you my signed Burke Breathed bloom county books oh. and then, you, then you can bash my fucking head in <laughs> nice oh that's great i just they just did a humble bundle of uh all his all the books uh the the bloom county ones digital download and i did that just to have them on my so i could read them on my kindle oh yeah <laughs> yeah I've, I've got the hard covers and they just announced i've mentioned this on the show before but they announced a couple months ago it's not out yet his academia waltz the strip that he did for i think university of texas while he was in college yeah, yeah. their idw is collecting that so oh, keep an eye out I actually for that know one. the publisher of IDW, Chris Ryall. He's oh, a friend nice. of mine. Very oh, okay. cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's yeah, I, and they they did um they did a Popeye reprint as well, actually. They did the, the strips as well through there. I okay. think I think it was them. It might have been Fanagraphics, actually, because I think they did the originals. Okay. Well, no, you... I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> dude, Somebody did it. Dude, you're a guest on a podcast. <laughs> don't say you know what you're talking about. I mean... uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I know. Chris, yeah, because I know Chris is uh, they, they did the uh, he was big into the getting that getting that that licensing deal with uh, for the Bloom County books and stuff. Tell him to send me free shit, please. Something. I'm going broke <laughs> buying all will, this crap. I will. I will. He did. Oh, that's what it was. They they did a reprint of uh, of the 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 Bud, the Bud Sagendorf uh, newspaper strips. That's what it was. OK. And he had sent me. He sent. He did send me a copy of that. So there yeah, you go. Yeah, those yeah. guys have done a lot of good work with with bringing some comic strips out and their artist yeah, editions. Yeah, it's a great Peanuts collection, which is really wonderful. The, the classic, classic Peanuts, you know. Um, and the, yeah, they have some great, great stuff. Really good. I also know part of why you you haven't been reading as much is you've been reasonably busy in L.A. And the cool thing is some of it's actually geek related shit. Yeah, so, yeah. And beyond the fact that he's employed. Is, yes. Well, employment <laughs> yeah, is always good. But. I do it every once in a while, yeah. yeah. I asked my niece if she knew what I did for, for a living, and she goes, sometimes you're on TV, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm like, yeah. That's all right, because any kind of work in L.A. is good, but you're doing better stuff than, oh, yeah, I, I was the guy uh, mopping at the porno store uh, in, right, in the back right. of CSI Cyber <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Somehow yeah. there's a porno store and a show about a cyber criminal. You'd think they get it from the internet, but right. Third waiter uncredited. The, the, the coal virus. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you are, correct me if I'm wrong. One of the leads. It's a, an indie movie coming out called Concessionaires Must Die. So yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead, man. Dude, tell oh, tell okay. me a little bit about it. 
I uh, yeah, it, uh, Concessionaires Must Die. It's uh, it's a movie uh, set in the dying days of this single screen movie theater. That's like second run. It shows all like classic movies and stuff. And uh, and it's it's just it's kind of like uh, we always liken it to. It, it's very much like uh, uh, like it's Empire Records kind of okay like that that vibe to it where it's like the last the little indie uh single screen theater uh that's going out of business and it, it and it's what these people uh that place has always kind of been purgatory for these characters and so like what are they going to do now what what are they going to do with their life now that they actually have to get out of the dark and stop watching movies and <laughs> and go live lives you know <laughs> jesus i don't even want to fucking consider it as i <laughs> right, sit yeah, in my second bedroom talking about comic books. So it's not pretty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I play the uh, I play the projectionist of the theater. I'm kind of the the mentor. I'm the I'm definitely the oldest member of the immediate cast. And yeah, I did a rewrite on the on the shooting script. Me and the director, America Young, and that was uh, that was a lot of fun. And then I got involved with it. She she had wanted me to to be in it. And, uh, and then we went through the whole, so I, I actually sat through a lot of the casting with them and did a lot of chemistry reads with people. Um, there was the, uh, David blue is the lead. Uh, David was, uh, on Stargate universe. He was a series regular on that, okay. Played Eli on okay. there. Um, and uh, he looks a lot different now. He, he lost a lot of weight. Uh, <laughs> Talia Taven, <laughs> Talia Taven is, is, is the other, uh, female lead. And, and uh, she's uh, been in a bunch of stuff. Most recently, she just did a Tommy John again pilot this past season. Um, but she was on New Girl last season, and uh, and she's been on Parks and Rec and stuff. Dan Laurie is in it, uh, who was the dad on Wonder Years. Wonder Years, sure. Yeah, he plays the 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 uh, rich guy that owns the the chain of theaters that's taking over the uh, the the monarch as it, as the theater is called in the in the the movie. Okay. Uh, Didn't you tell so me that, Stan Lee's got a, co- a cameo Stan in this? Lee has a yes, Stan Lee. Actually, and it's funny because he said this is his first actual acting role where he actually plays a character that's not just like a cameo of oh it's stan lee in a movie okay because like, I, I was gonna say he was he was in mall rats but he was stan in mall rats so all yeah right. yeah so he he was well, this is this is his word you know his wording uh he said that and he plays uh in a flashback he plays uh, david blue's grandfather okay uh, in comics and telling him like what that what that what that means so there's there's a huge comic tie-in to uh to the movie um in fact i think stan is actually an executive producer on it um oh nice and uh his pow entertainment got involved with it with helping us find funding and stuff because yeah in the uh in the trailer which i'll I'll put a link to in the the show notes i think i saw what one reference to the hulk at least one guy in a batman suit so yeah it looks like there's comics all over the thing oh there's tons yeah yeah in fact there there are comic books that are, are a central part of it uh, he has these this special collection of comics that um, he has to decide whether to sell or you know to try to raise money or whatever. And okay, so so they have there's a set there's a there's a big uh, a big comic component as well as like a big movie geek component. Okay, so it sounds like yeah. a definite sweet spot for anybody bored enough oh, to listen to this fucking show. <laughs> oh, oh, totally, it totally is. Yeah, and I and I and I got because because uh, I, I came in on like the punch up draft, so I have a. Um, I, here, here you go. Here, here's a great comic uh, reference for you. I have a joke about Swarm that I wrote in there. Oh, God. <laughs> the Nazi war criminal who escapes to South America and gets consumed by bees. So there you go. That, I would read that book. That joke. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're digging deep on that one. Nice. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so there you go. Okay, so production is is done on this, right? 
Yeah, yeah, it was actually filmed about a year and a half ago. Uh, for the most part, the main part at the theater, we we were up in Fresno, California, at the the Warner's Theater, which was um, it's this gorgeous, you know, cathedral theater. Okay. Uh, it was made by the designers of the, that made the Pantages in L.A. Um, you know, it's this, it's this, this gorgeous, the ceilings or you know the murals on it and the giant chandeliers. It's this gorgeous old movie house that they do still do like live performance stuff and they'll still show movies there and and everything. But we got this amazing deal. We filmed there for two weeks and it was like the location was this self-contained. We got to keep everything in there and and it was just really great. It was like a whole movie set built into this this movie theater. So it was great. So. And it's something I never saw any piece of, but there was some kind of you guys were live streaming, like shooting it or I know there was a live streaming element, which is not a thing that I've ever heard of with any movie production before. Sure. That's how we kind of got it uh, up and running, because um, we did a live stream element throughout the entire pre-production of the film, as well as the production itself. We um, we actually had the auditions live streamed. Yeah. So if you were coming into audition, you had to be OK with, you know. <laughs> So, and we had we had up to um, I mean there was like a million views for um, for a lot of the, a lot of the segments of it and uh, and and the people we had were great they were really supportive uh, the people that were in the chat rooms watching the auditions they got you know when when someone really popped they were like oh my god that was great blah 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 they got to watch table reads and then we would show uh, we would film probably about like between two and four hours a day. During the production, we would just turn on the webcam and point it at what was going on, and you could just watch a movie being made. Uh, the only stuff we didn't show was like the last twenty minutes of the movie. Anytime we were filming that stuff, well, you, yeah, you got to keep something back. I'm just baffled by the. Totally. I'm baffled by the idea of a live audition, like the yeah. fighting pits yeah. and Marine thumbs down. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, this guy's exactly. a piece of shit. He owes me ten bucks. Don't, don't <laughs> yeah, hire him. Yeah. Yeah, but that yeah, so it, you know, and, and all the decisions were were America's and, and the producers that the, they were all the final decisions. But it did help to have you know people's input and feedback, and um, we would we would even go to them, you know, if some some line wasn't working or whatever. And hey, anybody have an idea for a for a better joke or a better line here? We'd go to them, and every once in a while they'd come up with something. That was great. We had some really diehard people that would watch it all the time. It was really fun. It's not a bad way to do things. You sort of build in an audience no matter what exactly. for when it's released. And that's what that's what we did, yeah. Because, I mean, the movie itself, it, which is really good. I've seen a rough cut of the movie. Um, right now it's, it's in the color uh, correction stages and, and the po- a lot of post right now. Um, because that's what – I mean, it, it's that, that's the, the tough part when you do an indie movie is the post-production is so expensive. Yeah, I can imagine that. Especially it, if you want it to done well. Oh, yeah. To I look, mean, just to do this show, it takes me like two beers in 20 minutes. I really put a lot of effort mm-hmm. into this piece of shit. But. Right? So imagine like, you know, three weeks, three, four weeks worth of film, filming. You know, that's a lot. That's a lot of beers. <laughs> all right. You're, you're talking me into it. I'm now for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. That's all we you need. Just be the, <laughs> executive producing good beer. <laughs> so what happens now? Because I'm still in Boston. I've never, the only movie I was part of was I was an extra in Boondock Saints, like every other Boston so comedian. Yeah. Oh, there. you were there was, for that? that but, uh, um, so once it's yeah. done with, with this, is, is there distribution in place? Does it go to film festivals? Has it been sent to any film festivals? How did, how does that kind of thing work? Um, it was actually sent to a very big film festival who was not interested in it because it didn't quite match their programming, but they were willing 
to write a letter. Was it Al Goldstein's tits and ass screw film festival? Uh, actually, that was it. That okay. was it. I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to say the name. I didn't want to say the name. Okay. Out loud. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's actually, it's, it's what, it's a very big, it's a very big film festival that, um, that they were, they were willing, they, they were like, it doesn't quite fit what we're doing, but, uh, we'll write you a letter of recommendation to any festival you want to get into. Oh, they, nice. they're, they're into it. Yeah. So I have a feeling, um, by the time that it's completed and, uh, which should probably be later this year. South by Southwest is looking like a good possible possibility, oh, cool. especially because of the way we filmed it with the live stream and stuff. They, yeah. you know, the, the tech and art. Yeah, that that seems like a good match for for what they're doing there. Yeah, so it'll definitely do the it'll definitely do the festivals. If it is in theaters, it's going to be very small. So, I mean, it's it's a small movie. It's going to be a very small select number of theaters. And nowadays, it why while it's it's great to have a movie in a theater, and you and that's that's always a goal. On demand and, and the way everything's going now, you can kind of make your money back on a movie without it ever seeing a theater. Oh, definitely. It's a yeah. Snowpiercer we saw on demand and uh, right. R- Romero's last uh, uh, Survival of the Dead we saw on demand. It's it's an easy way to see movies in great quality and they're oh, immediately sure, exactly. di- distributed everywhere. So, right, exactly. Yeah, and you, and you get, a, you get a, an ability to pick up an audience that may, might not go out to a movie to see you know, a movie where there's not a ton of big name stars in it. Um, but they, but on they're you know, on demand, you know, for, for, for three, three ninety nine or four ninety nine, they might rent it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I always yeah. try to support that kind of stuff because I'm a lazy yeah. motherfucker and even walking down the street <laughs> to the theater. Oh, I don't know. I yeah. can get drunk here for free. Right. So. Exactly. And you don't have to deal with, you don't have to deal. Maybe Amanda might be on her text and you're just like, Hey, put that down. But other than that, <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm the one that's most likely to be on my phone when the TV's yeah. on. Yeah, oh, you you take <laughs> the you take the phone away from Amanda, you face shock and damage. It is not good for you. Now we saw Troll Hunter in in this sort of distribution model. Yeah, was, Troll Hunter. Yeah. We, we've seen a bunch of them. We we tend yeah. to try to support those if it's something we kind of want to see. And, and Troll too, but it wasn't the same distribution model. It was just that was just a bad day. Yeah, <laughs> thank God I was blacked out for that one. But, That's when you want the phone. Netflix and 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 you know Amazon, they pick up stuff, and and there's there's a lot more distribution arms uh, and ways for people to see movies, and and at, just as importantly, ways for investors to make their money back on on indie films uh, yeah, nowadays. And, it, and, it's and real, it, there's no, it's not the stigma of like a straight to DVD. You don't have that stigma anymore. Yeah, but you don't get the great tits and ass on the cover. It doesn't go straight to DVD or VHS. But right. But yeah, even just in the last two or three years, yeah, I think when we saw Survival of the Dead, the only way to get it was through uh, the Xbox. And now, my, yeah. my God, just you know, on our TiVo, we've got that and Amazon and Vudu mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. Comcast. Uh, yeah, there's a million ways to do it. So, right. so that's cool. And the nice thing is all these places need content. So oh, if, you are, if you can create content and, and the stuff that's quality, you get a good shot at, at doing this for a living, which is nice. All right, so if somebody wants to to find out a little more about this, you know, if they're around a film festival and you know might want to see if it's coming, uh, yeah. is there a website they can go to or Yeah, uh, cmdthemovie.com or .net, we have both of them. Oh, so, look at yeah, Mr. Moneybags CM- over here as both domains. <laughs> yeah, I'm hosting it on actually my my actual private hosting. <laughs> but yeah, so cmdthemovie.com uh, or .net. Uh, when we start doing uh, festivals and we start doing more uh, convention appearances and such, uh, the the director America Young is big into. She's she's very well known in the community, especially in the geek community. Yeah. Um. She, she's a former stunt woman. She uh, 
she is an actress as well. She does a ton of voiceover work. Um, she's Torally on Monster High, which is is a big thing for people that are really into that. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> I hear good things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My 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 niece loves it. Uh, and so yeah, so she's so she's uh, she's big into into the geek world, and she's she's uh, definitely got her geek cred. And uh, we ha- well, I think I have a feeling we'll have a presence at a lot of places like maybe WonderCon and stuff like oh, okay. that. Cool. Yeah. Now do Boston yeah. Comic Con, man. I would love to do the Boston Film Festival. That would be great. I would love oh, to be yeah. able to yeah. come back to the movie to show. That would be amazing. All right. And, and that's not the only thing you're working on. I think you just announced this uh, a week or two ago. Uh, you're doing an, a, a part in an animated show uh, called yes. Gen Z. So, yeah, yeah. Tell me a little bit about, about this show because it, it looks kind of okay. cool. It's really, it's really cool. I, I kind of came on, I, I kind of stumbled into it. Actually, it was through a connection with America, actually. Uh, she knew the creator, Hayden Black, and he was doing a table read for this script he'd written. It was about um, his, his, uh, his, ba- his frame of reference, he's, he's English. He's, he's from England originally. And, uh, Nobody's but perfect, lived- but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, yeah, there you go. So, uh, but he's lived here since the '80s. Um, but his his uh, what he wanted to do was kind of create like a new young ones. Okay, you like, the young- yeah, like uh, on MTV in the early '80s. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like that. It, so that and spaced uh, the uh, Edgar Wright and uh, Simon sure. Pegg, Nick Frost. Uh, that those were kind of his um, models. And the the lead. The, so there's four characters uh, that are all like twenty something millennials, and they. They meet online in this this gaming environment that they play in, and uh, they decide to have uh, move in together. All, all their lives are kind of falling apart, so they decide to get this crappy little place, and they move in together. Um, and the lead character is transgender in the show, and is voiced by a transgender actress, which is a pretty big deal, which is cool. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard of that before, actually. No, it's never been done before. It's never been done before. And uh, and Julie's wonderful. She's really great, really funny. Uh, she does a lot of voiceover work as well, and uh, this is my first time doing like a voiceover thing, which I which I was thrilled to do it. I'm always kind of curious about that because how does that work? Does everybody go into the studio and do it at once? Is it one person it, just goes in and hears other cues? Is there a table? Re- how does that process work? Because I watch a lot of fucking well, cartoons, and I've never really known how to, how they go together. Yeah, it's all of the above, really. I mean, we did it. We 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 recorded. Uh, the the pilot was a four about forty forty five pages, and it's going to be split up into about like eight four to five minute episodes, and it's probably going to be web release right now. Okay. Um, late, later this year, we just released the trailer for it, but the actual series probably won't be out probably till like November. Or so again, everything's kind of the end of this year. I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping this is going to be a big year. Uh, <laughs> So we recorded it. The uh, the sound engineer, the producer of it, is uh, did Futurama. Okay. Uh, and yeah. So we went to his home studio. He has, I think, he had four mics set up. He has four mics set up in the studio. So for a lot of the scenes where there was a lot of back and forth, we were all in there together. Okay. Um, but there were times like there were pickup lines, or you know, if we couldn't fit everybody in, but one character only had one line in, or whatever, he'd just go in, or she'd just go in and just read that line. So it was kind of a combination of everything. You know, a couple there was a, a couple weeks later, I had to go back and record a, a line that for uh, for something they needed to put in there. Okay. Yeah, and we had uh, Jane Weedlin uh, from the Go Go's. Oh, cool! Is, is voice in one of the characters. Uh, she actually flew down from San Francisco uh, to do it. She was that excited to do it. That's cool. Uh, so that was really that was really exciting. Uh, Richard Schiff from the West Wing is going to do uh, a couple little minor characters because he really dug it. So yeah, so that 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 
we, there's people getting involved that because they really like the project and it's different and it's it's got a cool voice. And I play Huey, uh, who's one of the leads, and he's uh, kind of psychotic. He's very angry. <laughs> <laughs> so, so who are you channeling? Uh, me, uh, Tim McIntyre? Yes, I'm, yeah, it's, it's, I'm doing my best Robert Owen impression. <laughs> <laughs> you poor man, you'll never fucking work again. <laughs> we recommend whiskey for yeah. that. Yeah. Just if you're yeah. thinking method. Yeah, to go straight into the <laughs> straight into the angry truculent blackout. I, I recommend well, Jack every, Daniels. I always every uh anytime if I think of you and alcohol, I always think of Cavassier because of that joke that we used to do. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, what was that joke? I don't uh, remember the joke. I just remember Cavassier. Uh, and I didn't know I never knew what Cavassier was until that joke. Oh yeah, it was uh I've been uh drinking Cavassier, which I've never had before, and it turns out it's uh Cavassier is the French word for the Colt forty five of cognac. That was the joke. Yeah, that was it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I drank that once and terrible things happened. <laughs> That's where that whole bit came from. One bad <laughs> night with new booze. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so one thing I got to ask, just because we, we've got a uh, uh, we have a guest on the show occasionally, and he's contributed to the the written website, uh, who goes by Lance Mannion. He's a huge Jane Weedland fan. Yes. Do you have any Jane oh. Weedland story, even as just yeah, Lance, she's wicked cool, and you should meet her, you loser. If you got yeah, anything, I mean, that's really what it is. She's wicked cool. She's <laughs> great. Uh, if, if there's a, I have a great picture that I I, I really cherish now of uh, her giving me a big hug uh, from the shoot. Which was great. Uh, I posted it up on Instagram and, and Twitter and stuff. I, I, she was just really cool. I mean, she flew down on her own dime. To, I mean, because this is again, this is an indie project. It's not uh, being funded right now, other than by the creator of the show. She just really she liked it enough where um, he had sent her the script, uh, and they just knew each other from Twitter. Uh, that's all. I mean, they just had that relationship. Okay. And she was like, oh, yeah, let me take a look at it. Uh, maybe I'll do a line. And then she read it and she's like, I don't want to do a line. I'd really like to do like a, a, a like a recurring character in this because I like it so much. And then she flew down and uh, and she was wonderful, really talented, great voice, vocal acting and uh, and just really sweet and a legend. She's a legend. You yeah. know, it was like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is really cool. So right now it's looking for. Uh, and uh, possibly an, an internet release. Um, this ha also has to have yeah. a website. So where where can somebody watch to see where it might come out? Is it possible it could be shopped someplace else? And Netflix? Oh yeah, yeah. Or... There's actually he's in, uh, and I'm not at liberty to discuss exact the sure. specifics, but he's he's actually in discussions with some some studios that you might have heard of. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Al Goldstein's so, uh, screw. Al Goldstein, yeah, him too. He's all he's really prolific. He's Al. everywhere. He's everywhere and he leaves a trail. It's... Yeah, yeah. He's good. He likes to he likes to get his fingers in a lot of pies. Oh, oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> that's it. The show's fucking canceled. That was fucking terrible. <laughs> that's what I do. That's what I that's my that's my my gift. Um yeah, so genz.org, uh you can go there. And Huffington Post just did a really nice uh, write-up on the trailer, which was really cool. Okay. Really now, now, we do have some English listeners. So with Gen Z, that's uh, G-E-N-Z-E-D, not yes. Gen Z. Which is because he's English. That's where it became that. Because uh, the, 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 the tagline of, of, the, of the series is they're all grown up and now they're trying to understand why. <laughs> We, un we we go through that daily here. Yeah, that never fucking <laughs> yeah, stops, does yeah, it? Like, why'd you bother? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so a lot a lot of the the show has to do with that influence and that overwhelming uh, sense of technology and just choice. Like, 
there's almost too many choices now. And like, what do people do with that? Yeah, it's there, there are times I sit here and think, thank God I did comedy before YouTube. And that was oh, an God. act that I created for public consumption. It's still, oh, thank God nobody can see that, that. as I try to but find I day have, jobs. And I have that same I have that same issue now where you see all that stuff coming out now, you know, the Jerry Seinfeld article and everything, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I've talked to, to our mutual friend Tim McIntyre many times about it. It's like comedy, stand-up comedy is done it's very intimate. It's done for that audience. Unless you're doing a, you know, an HBO special or you're hosting Saturday Night Live and you know that you're going out to a, a, a massive national, very uh, widespread demo audience. Like that comedy club audience, you're doing an act for them and stuff that happens that night may just happen that night for them. And now people, now, now a lot of comics are, are getting just like, just lambasted and judged on but who they are as people by like one joke taken out of context that someone wrote a, you know, a three page Tumblr blog on, you know? Yeah. And it's, people don't realize, yeah, it's you on stage, but there's always a level of persona. You know, it's totally, it's a, but yeah, you, you say the wrong goddamn thing. I, I don't think I oh. would want to do comedy right now. I know. I, I, yeah. I mean, I haven't done stand up since probably 2007 and, uh, and I, and while I miss some aspects of it, I don't miss a lot of it. And, and seeing what I'm seeing now, I, I, I well, it, it would, it's such a, such a minefield to navigate. It always kind of was. You always had to, oh, this owner doesn't want you to swear, or this one per, you know, they don't do jokes about this, or this headliner has a joke like that. You can't do this joke. So you always had to kind of adjust where you were. And now I can't imagine adjusting to people that you didn't even know were at your show. Oh, absolutely. And it's yeah. <laughs> anyone that you go to, some dipshit with an iPhone. And we all had nights where we just lost it at the crowd, and it was just, you oh, know, totally. oh, my God, you people suck. And then, yeah, yeah. then it shows up on somebody's YouTube, and yeah, all right, now you've, <laughs> you're not getting yeah. booked anymore. And I God called for... a woman a, I called the woman a C, and uh, <laughs> you, you, can, you can say cunt, it's okay. Yeah, this oh, is the internet. Okay, all right, all right, so there you go. So I, I called the woman a cunt. She was, she was, you know, heckling, and she was just being, she was trying to get involved with the show. It was up in like uh, up at a ski lodge up in New Hampshire, and she, and and she was upsetting the audience. You could see it, and I said, I just kind of lost it. I lost my cool, and I said, "You're being a cunt," and. The audience applauded, and and <laughs> some lady came up to me after and said, "I hate that word, but she really was one." Yeah. Was like, but nowadays, that would get taken uh, so out of context, and I I'm not proud of saying it, and I'm not proud of, of that it happened. Yeah, but John, I'm people. proud of you, and that's what matters. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you. That's that's what I go for. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, that now I'd be I'd be I have to write apologies, and I'd be a horrible person. Oh yeah, and it would be the three second clip of you just staring and screaming with right. no context whatsoever and that would be the end right you're right it's it's such an intimate thing that's supposed to be for that group for that night and in that moment you're trying to tell truths and entertain but right. <laughs> it, it's hard to feel like you can speak openly if it's going to come back and haunt you later it's it's just hard oh, that's a great that's a great point because i mean the, the, i think you know the best comics have that vulnerability of where you, like you said, you're speaking the truth. You're, you're trying to share a part of yourself. You know, in my, in my act was certainly not the edgiest or most cutting edge act in the world. I mean, I did, it was mostly autobiographical stuff, but you are trying to, you, like you said, you want to be able to, to get to that point where people feel like they're having a conversation with you and that you're speaking openly. And, and it's, it's really hard to impossible to do that. 
except for the biggest names that seem to have a cash that they, they can get away with a lot of stuff. But even then, you know, Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld has been taking flack for uh, jokes sure. that are innocuous, but reference the gay lifestyle. Like it just, <laughs> and if anybody shouldn't be taking flack ever, I would imagine right. it would be Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> right. The least controversial comic. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. why I retreated to the internet so we could do quality jokes like, uh, I want you guys to go out there and protect your balls at any cost. <laughs> no, we're, we're really, I'm shooting for elemental truth. That's what yeah, I'm going for. That's just good advice. Exactly. Yeah, just... <laughs> uh, all right. So should we talk about another form of intimate entertainment? <laughs> <laughs> game of thrones season five uh pay cable it, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah it's a uh, the reason john uh I, I asked you to be a guest on this show is yeah it's game of thrones season five just ended i know that you're a fan of the show um yes. and i know that you've read the books we've, we've got varying levels of familiarity with the game of thrones slash song of ice and fire because i know i'll get an angry email of you know the books are a song of ice and fire yes i fucking right. know they are I've read the books, but I read them in a fast burn from Game of Thrones all the way through Dance with Dragons when that first came out, because the show had just started. So I read them all the way through once. I know, John, you've read them through a couple of times. Yeah. A couple of times, three times. Oh, yeah. I have theories. I'm the, oh, yeah, I'm that guy. <laughs> That's why we called you. <laughs> and Amanda, you've not read the books at all. You've just I been. Not. And I have, uh, I've tried very hard for five fucking years. Oh, you're, I think the happiest moment of your night life was like the Red Wedding when oh, it was God. finally brought to the television. Uh, I held on to that for, what was it, two, three years, knowing oh, it was yeah. coming. And, yeah. and, 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 you know, my reaction wasn't as bad as the people that have found their way to YouTube. Speaking of like taking an intimate moment and just exploiting it. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's horrible. Yeah. I watched a few. You're at home. Yeah. <laughs> just people weeping. You're like Donald Stern being recorded in your, in your own home and you're, you're saying horrible things. People, people, <laughs> just people in their jammies weeping hysterically. No. Oh, my God. Ah! Yeah, now, now you're that guy. Why can't I get a job at McDonald's? Well, the Red Wedding. <laughs> yeah. It was, it, it was real. It impacted everyone. Really. <laughs> it was a national tragedy. <laughs> yeah. The reverberations were yeah. felt all throughout. As I've said Not once or twice on my show, the Red Wedding was my own personal Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So you can't say that at a club now. Yeah. People will come back no, at you. That's all right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I can't make the drive to clubs anymore. I can barely make it up the stairs to do this show. So I think we're good. <laughs> but... But yeah, even that, and uh, I, I kept the death of Joffrey from her, and I had the decency nice. to not videotape you leaping to your feet. Going, and clapping. Yes, you pile of shit, <laughs> die! I, 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 I gave the slow uh, Rudy clap when that happened. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, every ounce of pain he went through. Amanda's face got yeah. brighter and brighter. It was beautiful. It, it reminded yeah. me of when we got together. <laughs> That kind of happiness I can't bring you anymore. Uh, but it's all right. It's okay. But Jack, <laughs> Jack Gleason in agony. <laughs> yeah, that poor kid yeah. is. I hope he can recover from this role. I mean, he did a great job in it, but it's it's like the girl who played Nell on Little House on the Prairie. Speaking of using the word cunt, she was just an <laughs> awful individual. I wonder if she ever worked again after that because also yeah. facially they looked really similar. Which was always jarring for me. Amanda, you know you're talking to two dudes. Uh, I, we didn't watch <laughs> Little House on the Prairie. Night Rider was on. What the fuck's the matter with you? Yeah. 
they, they, he he actually stopped acting after that. I don't think be, just specifically because of that, but he wanted to go back to school and, and do stuff. Uh, he's a really great improv uh, guy too. He's got an improv troupe in Ireland. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, he I, he kind of he was like, I think I'm good with acting right now. <laughs> uh, and that, that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> You're not gonna have a role that affects that many people that right. viscerally, seen by that many people very yeah. often. It's I'd probably take a little time off and let people forget yeah, about totally. it and show I mean, some other skills. One, he was amazing in that part. Oh, absolutely. He made that part. That part's better on the show than it was in the book. Like, he's even more detestable on the show. <laughs> <laughs> and that's high praise. And that's sad yeah. for America. But Yeah. Well, I think after a role like that, you go maybe one of two ways. You you kind of just fade off into obscurity like the kid who played Anakin Skywalker as a child. And in his case, it was deserved because he sucked. Or, yeah. or you go the, the Haley Joel Osment route and you just wait and grow up and look vastly different and then find yourself in a cameo in Entourage. Yeah. And <laughs> kind of work your way back from there. Yeah. <laughs> that's but all I had to say on that's that. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a sad thing. It shows how good he was. We're talking about a death from last season when it's not yeah. like we were lacking for fucking death this season. <laughs> no. It's. I was thinking about how we were going to put together the show this morning and... It was weird for me because I'm thinking, well, all right, what do I really like about the show? It, it's a fantasy. And the weird thing is I'm not much of a fantasy guy. It's me either. A, it's, you can, uh, I've always been superheroes and science fiction. You can give me the exact same story and take superheroes out of it and put a sword in somebody's hand and I tune out. So the fact that this is a fantasy that I really like is interesting. But then I'm thinking about the word fantasy. And as fantasy goes, this show's only a fantasy for people who like, fantasize about being smacked in the balls with a belt it's, it's they exist there's not, not a lot to fantasize about there's websites in the world of westeros <laughs> man it's an awful place and this was a really tough season like worse yeah. than almost i don't know i'm not sure i want to say worse than all the others but good lord we start out with mance raider getting burned alive which yeah. didn't happen in the book um no but, not like that you know he was he was it, it looked like it was him and it was like it was one of the it was re really that rattle shirt guy yeah. or whatever melisandre so he's technically still alive in the books but yeah it wasn't that big of a yeah so you, you get the shot across the bow in the first episode of yeah yeah okay nobody you think is safe is actually safe we move from that to and i just tried to list them off the top of my head in any kind of order going through my notes because amanda and i watched the entire season again on hbo go over the last two or three days to to make sure it was all fresh but uh, what was it? Uh, Barristan Selmy gets whacked by the sons oh, yeah. of the harpy. Uh, yeah. Aemon Targaryen uh, loses his marbles and just sort of shuffles off, which yeah. is really the that kindest. Was a beautiful scene. <laughs> it was, and it's about the best possible way that you can think to go in Westeros. Yeah, I mean, dying insane in a pile of your own filth is like the Westeros version of dying in your sleep after a bottle of scotch right. and a really professional yeah. blowjob. It's it's yeah. about as good as it's gonna get. Amanda said <laughs> earlier. Good. It's like, you know, oh, I can't feel the fleas anymore. It's... <laughs> the itching and burning has stopped. <laughs> I've pissed my I, I, last that... bud. <laughs> I love that 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 egg. I dreamed I was old. I was so happy they kept that in because that was such a great. Oh, that was a killer, brutal line for yeah, oh. this guy who's just been a, a sweet and helpful character to John and yeah. and good to Sam and yeah that was that was a hell of a way to go out yeah it but was the, beautiful but the fact is he, he still went out almost everybody went out this season mm -hmm. um we get Jorah back in front of Daenerys 
He gets exiled yeah. again. He gets tuned up by a bunch of pit fighter to get back in front of Daenerys again. Loses her again. All while he's got a dose of the creeping gray scunge. Yeah. <laughs> so he knows he's dead no matter what. Right. Uh, Shireen burned alive in one of the most harrowing yeah. fucking scenes oh. I ever oh. heard. Because at least they didn't show it to us. It was yeah. worse hearing it. You know, all for Stannis' greater glory. Yeah, And then within like 20 minutes in the next episode, he loses everything including his life well we don't, we don't know if he's dead for sure we see i don't think he's dead honestly i don't think he's dead oh uh, uh, okay <laughs> Here, here's my here's my theory on that all right here's bring my it. theory on that bring it because his last words to brianne are go ahead do your duty her duty is not to seek revenge for renly her duty is to protect the girls that's right okay and, and I think that that is going to stir something in her because those books do not look well upon people who take vengeance. They are not pro revenge. In fact, when you seek revenge and you and you you act out of vengeance, like Oberon Martell, who had the mountain beat, and then starts getting, I want you to say that he starts going into revenge mode, right? Where it wasn't just about winning that battle; it was about revenge. Then he gets his eyes squished out. Um, and then, and Arya, when she steps away from being a faceless man and, and she seeks revenge that then bad stuff happens. And her eyes get squished Um, out. Just about. (laughs) There you go. So there you go. If you want your eyes, don't seek revenge. But yeah, so I think that, uh, I don't think Brienne, I think Brienne is not going to act out of revenge. I think, I I think something's going to stop her, whatever it is, whether it's Podrick, whether it's, you know, whether she just stops herself with the swing, but we, the sound we hear is is Ramsey killing a guy in the next scene? It's not right. her making contact with that sword. Okay. Yeah. No. They they frame it nicely because it, visually, yeah, she literally takes her eyes off the prize. The second she goes after Stannis, Sansa puts the candle yeah. in the window. Exactly. You have given me a lot to think about. I I tend to agree with yeah. both of you. I took it for I also granted. Think, I also think Stannis is going to be the one thousandth Lord Commander <laughs> of the Watch. I think that's what he's going to end up being. I think that's right. Because, and we're going to, I know that Rob has extensive notes, yeah. but. Um, oh, I got a lot to talk about Arya in a little while. A I, lot. Yeah. I think Stannis, coming from a place of leadership experience, was setting tone by what he had staged where he was going to set Mance on fire because he understood the Watch's feelings in general toward the Wildings. Whereas yeah. Snow understood them, but didn't accept them and wanted to go a different way because he felt he was right. And on paper, he was, but it didn't take into the account, into account the politics of leadership. Right, right. Yeah, and I definitely want to get into various government slash leadership styles for their potential subjects, audiences. Yeah, I got a lot of notes on that, and I know we can talk about that. But, <laughs> but yeah, the idea of Stannis going back, that's... I I think you've convinced. I, at least I think you both convinced me that he's still alive. That's part of why I love. Yeah, I say this every few shows. Part of why I love doing it is whether it's Amanda or guests that we have on. I get my mind changed on a lot of things, which is cool. <laughs> when you when you block out time to, we're just going to talk about this stuff. So oh sure yeah. Uh, I I think I think with Stannis too. The thing that the show I don't think hammered enough is that. It wasn't that he wants to be king. In fact, I don't think he doesn't want to be king. He thinks it's his duty. And he thinks it's his duty because Melisandre has him convinced that he's Azarahi reborn, that he's the chosen one that's going to stop the end of the world from, from the White Walkers. 
Yeah, but there's I, an, there was that other prophet on the other side of the world where Daenerys is, who is spitting out the same thing. It feels like oh. that's just something that is inherent to that particular religion. Well, no, no. The, every religion has their own. The, the, there's a. Uh, you know, there's the prince that was promised, uh, which is what Rhaegar Targaryen uh, in the past was was uh, prophesizing that that it was going to come from his line of uh, of ancestors, and that uh, there's the Azarahi, there's um, the the stallion that mounts the world. Yep. I think they're all the same thing. They're all the same thing. There there's there's a chosen one and uh, or or a chosen few that are going to represent the one. Uh, because the dragon has three heads, which I think it's going to be right. John, Danny, and Tyrion. Yeah, um, no, I just found it interesting because when Tyrion encountered that particular um, priestess speaking, it was another member yes. of Melisandre's religion because she was getting yes. into that whole the night is dark and full of shadows. But you notice how she looked right at him when she said that, too. Oh, that's a good point. Oh, good point. Like she recognized it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm going to have to do another burn of this tonight. Yeah, it's, it, we, we'd start with season one. It, it'd be faster to go through all 50 hours than to even get through Game of Thrones. <laughs> the book. But my thing, my thing with, with that is, yeah, like, like that, that whole, the whole prophecy part of it, like Melisandre, she sees stuff in the flames. She thinks it's a possible future and that she has to do stuff to bring it around. Like the leeches, like burning Shireen. But she doesn't. She's actually seeing what's going to happen. She just gets shit wrong all the time. She misinterprets it all the time. Like the worst prophet ever. <laughs> yeah, but she is because she doesn't understand her part. And, and I thought in the last episode they finally kind of hum- gave her a little humanity where she was like, oh, shit, things are – this is – I'm fucking this up. In the book you get a couple of chapters that are from her POV. So you see her more as a human being and not just this evil priestess. Yeah, it's because I'm I'm still on the fence as to whether her actions in the last episode were okay. Maybe I'm wrong. It's not Stannis, so I will go to Jon Snow, who I think is also a possible, yeah. or whether the motivation was okay. Everything's gone sideways, and I should probably be somewhere else. Because I think, yeah. just, I think that was it. I think it was that. I don't think it, in the book she there's a there's a line where she says, "I pray to Rolla, you know, Rolla, or however you pronounce the the god, the R H O." L L O R um, yep. for glimpses of Azarahi in the flames. And all they show me, all he shows me is snow. Ooh. <laughs> and, and, and so, so I, so I, so I, she doesn't, and she doesn't realize it. Like she doesn't realize that, Oh, that's because it's probably John. That's the chosen one. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, so let's just move so straight. I don't think she realizes it yet. So let's just move. But there's straight. a reason she showed up at the wall. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was going to say, let's go straight to John snow. It's weird. Cause all the, uh, uh, what's the name of the actor? Kit Harrington. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He said, uh, nope, I'm dead. And the producers. He is uh, dead. Yeah, but it, he's not going to stay dead. He's not staying dead, but yeah. he's dead. He's dead now. Yeah. It's yeah. A, I love the parsing at the end of all these, <laughs> all yeah. these seasons of the geek stuff. It's uh, yeah. technically I didn't lie. Right. <laughs> you know, like they're trying well, to get away with banging the their sister. <laughs> <laughs> his last word in the book is ghost. Yeah. So the, the theory was that, oh, he's going to warg into the, into ghost. And then Melisandre will bring him back. But Melisandre was off of Stannis, so a lot of people were kind of freaking out, like, oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And then all of a sudden, a couple, you know, couple minutes before yeah. for the watch, she shows up at the wall, and it's like, oh, okay, so this is going to happen still. Okay, so are we all pretty much on board? It's a, yeah, Melisandre is going to bring him back. Yeah, yeah but I'm, I'm also going to be curious if Melisandre is going to 
leave with John, if that's the case, before Stannis finds his way back there, if he does remain alive. Because Stannis, if he does end up taking command of the Watch, is going to have to deal with his hand, who's going to be really pissed that he killed his daughter. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, well, I think I think I don't think Davos is going to survive this. Unfortunately, I think he's too good of a man to survive all this. Yeah. I uh, but I but I think Stannis takes the watch like at the very end of the story. Like he becomes uh, because what well, John was the nine hundred ninety eighth, and now he's gone. So someone will be the nine hundred ninety ninth, which I'm assuming will be Alistair Thorne at least yeah. on the show, Probably. maybe in the book. And then, you know, and then something's going to happen. And then then I'm thinking I'm just assuming it will be Stannis. One theory I, I was thinking of who, who it could possibly be, uh, but he would have to do something to really prove himself as a military leader is Theon. Ooh. Hmm. Because Theon, uh, obviously, he's celibate by by no choice. <laughs> of his own right now. At this point. Um, so that that's not going to be a problem. Uh, he's got a lot to he's got a lot to atone for, and and just jumping with with Sansa isn't is I don't think is is the start of his redemption, but it's not fully it. And also, he refused to take the black in the second season and in the second book. Oh when, yeah. When when Ramsay Bolton was outside Winterfell, uh, they had the horns blowing and stuff, and Meister Lewin says, you know, there's a way out of this. You could we there's tunnels out, and you can get, you know, a couple of days head start. You could take the black. And, and and he's like, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. I could see him if he survives. That could be his role. But he would have to do something in in the in the sixth and seventh books that show him as a. But I don't think his story's done. I don't think he's just going to die. Yeah, it's he's got a lot to redeem. And yeah. I, I'm not sure that within the scope of this world, it's enough to just have been punished as much as he has been punished. He has I mean, to do terrific. something. Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah, and I, th- I, I think he will. I think he'll be in that the battle, you know, the the battle for for Don, uh, which is interesting because in the book there is a there is a sword called the Sword of the Morning. It's called Don, and I'm like, oh, there's no way that's not coming into play <laughs> somewhere. Is that another one of those Valerian steel type ones? I I don't think it is. I think it's I don't know if it is Valerian. I don't think it is Valerian steel, but it's a famous. Uh, there, there's a line. Uh, they're the Danes of Starfall, and uh, they, they are. Uh, I guess that's part Dorn. It's like right on the Dorn Stor- Stormlands uh, border there, and uh, they're each. It's passed down that title, Sword of the Morning, is mm. passed down, which I do love. That there is this whole mythology that even the characters in that world have forgotten because magic has died out. That what the Valerian swords are really made for. That they're not just these ancestral pretty swords that happen to be kind of sharp. Yeah. Yeah. And the the sad thing is it, a lot of the books have faded from my memory. So it's it, after immediately after I saw John's sword shatter the white Walker, oh. I'm like, Oh shit is needle Valerian steel. I'm looking up every sword I can vaguely remember from the books yeah, yeah, to no, see if it's only... a, a MacGuffin. Brienne's is, is Valerian steel because it was, it was forged from ice and Joffrey had one. So I'm assuming that Tommen has it now. Oh, well it's in good hands then. Yeah, uh, Sam's father has one, who I think we're going to see next season, judging yep. by the casting notices that were leaked, that Randall Tarley was going to make an appearance. Okay. And he has one, I think it's called Heartsbane. Um, there uh, there are uh, apparently, uh, from what I've read, I think they said there's like 227 known Valyrian swords in Westeros. Oh, wow. They're going to need yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're going to need them. That was such a great moment. Where both the Walker and John were like, "What the what fuck?" The fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it's great. 
great. That was so great. Because in the book, that hard home thing happens off screen. John's not there. He gets letters. That's right. And the letters are super creepy. It's like there are dead things in the water. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And you're just like, oh, something awful happened there. Yeah, that battle was one of the high points of the season for me. Just not only because of the sheer spectacle and scope, but some of the performances. You know, the woman, I don't even know if she got a name, but who was the mother. Carsey was her name. Okay. Yeah, I I didn't pick it up. Yeah, I don't think she got in the show, but she was listed as that. Okay. But uh, Yeah. yeah, it's the full characterization she got in 20 minutes from, okay, we have to have to follow Jon Snow across the wall. It's the right thing to do, no matter what our ancestors say to fighting to holy shit. I I can't attack. She rises at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I can't do the Dawn of the dead and kill kids. She was (laughs) more fleshed out and believable as a badass with a full arc than anything that had a sand snake in it this week, this, this season. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get to the fucking sand snakes. Jesus Christ. But that's uh, the low point. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that was just a, a great sequence. It wasn't my absolute high point. So it's uh, oh really interesting yeah um Amanda what was what was your high point of the entire season uh my high point of this entire season I think come back to me actually come back to me all right I have to think all right. John I don't mean to put you on the spot but no, no that's fine I I would actually go with hard home that whole episode was the high point I mean that you had Tyrion and Danny's first meeting that which was like great verbal jousting and bantering and like and and him voicing stuff that people were thinking uh, of, you know, well, politics are different than conquering, you know, ruling is different than conquering and, uh, and argue. So what if you do this? What, are there think people are just going to welcome you? You know, yeah. it, was just, it was great. It was great. And that was just, that was just a great, great, great scene. Uh, the hard home battle, like you said, with that wildling character that just really humanized it and put a human face on it. That wasn't just Jon Snow or Tormund because it became you saw the wildlings as like, oh, these aren't just savages. These are real people. They're tribal people that have elders and they have young and they're looking after the elders and getting them on the boats and making sure they're okay. And, and that, just that, that, and then the Valyrian steel uh, reveal was wonderful. The, the, the Night's King and, and looking like the four horsemen of the apocalypse and that last image of him just raising up the dead. That was silent. <laughs> that whole sequence was the entire sequence is part of why I like this, even though it's fantasy with most fantasy, it's a story of heroes and a MacGuffin. I am pure of heart. And if I can get the one ring Excalibur, this thing and take it here, then evil will be disbanded and the world will be wonderful. And you don't, that's pretty much the Marvel movies. Yeah. With the stones, you know, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. But, you don't get anything like that with this series. There is no MacGuffin. There's little things that you can get, but they still won't fucking save you. You know, he brought a shitload right. of dragon glass to the yeah. wildings and it didn't help him at all. He learned yeah. that Valerian steel can kill a wildling. It only saved his own ass. And for all of an episode and a half, it's yeah. And he th- lost, he lost, they lost at that at hard home. Yeah. That was a massacre. The showrunners and Martin have done such a good job in creating a world where everything is gray and no matter what you do, it may not make a difference. And even if you get the thing that you think you need, it probably won't help. You could get a guy saying, I made dragon glass into an unbreakable sword and he would immediately die of fucking tetanus. It's just that kind (laughs) of world. And 
the nuance is what makes it, even though it's a fantasy with dudes on horseback and swords and dragons, it's still, it's a nuanced enough world to bring me into it. Most fantasy just doesn't. And right. that, that right. sequence well, was a perfect example of it. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I know I've heard him say uh, most fantasy is like Lord of the Rings where, where it's, if there's a definite bad guy, a definite good guy, it's very, it's very much like World War II. And yeah. he, wanted to write, he wanted to write a fantasy series that was more like World War I where there's no no one really knows why they're doing you know there's a lot of muddied uh perspectives and a lot of muddied uh goals really i mean you know yeah why are we doing this yeah there there are no heroes some people do heroic things some people are doing heroic things based on their viewpoint but the next scene you could be the worst bastard in the world stannis is a perfect example yeah we spent an entire season I firmly believe half liking him because, okay, he's going to kill Ramsey and he's a real piece of shit. And all it took was 15 yeah. minutes <laughs> and a torch. And it's like, oh, right. no, you're as bad a piece of shit as anybody else. And now I remember, yeah. didn't you have your brother killed with black yeah. magic, for Christ's sake? Right. Yeah, you do he suck. He was burning people the first time you see him. He was burning people. The very first episode of the season, yeah. he's burning someone at the stake. But it's he did heroic things based on a particular set yeah. of goals that he had and viewers had but that didn't make him a good guy well it was it was a i don't say double blind i think people forgot because his relationship with his daughter began to humanize him somewhat yeah in contrast to his wife who and it was i found i found it weird at the end i mean i get it she's she's shireen's mother and she finally broke but the way she treats her daughter in every other scene we see leading up to this, I have I had a real difficulty believing that she suddenly realized, oh yeah, I'm your mom. I should have protected you. That just seemed discordant to me in terms of that I mean, particular she has seen character. Her daughter burned to death. I I don't disagree. It's a horrible thing, but she, yeah. there was nothing in her acting or her relationship with her daughter leading up to that point that suggested she gave a shit about her at all. Sure, sure. Yeah, and she seemed more in Melisandre's thrall than Stannis did. She was, and she was, oh, and definitely. she is even in the books. Yeah. So I, I just found that odd. <laughs> it's blind faith can be an ugly thing, and if it's ever yeah. broken, <laughs> people can go hang themselves. Yeah, yeah. My my high I, point. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. I I, I was going to go back to something that that Rob had said uh, earlier. Um, that um, I think the, the about about how people you know they'll, they'll try to do good things and then they they die anyway or whatever. There's one of the things that this whole series is brilliant at, um, and people mistake it for oh they're just going to kill people randomly. It's brilliant at misdirection. Oh, it definitely. made you think that the story was about Ned, but it's not. Ned was like a mentor. He has to die. That's what mentors do in, in movies. Yep. You know, and then they made you think oh it's going to be about Rob avenging his father. It's not. It's always been about John. It's always been, and and the thing that it's always been about, because it's in the very first season, the very first scene of the pilot, and it's the very first chapter of the book, is the White Walkers are coming. Yep. And all you assholes are arguing about your stupid Game of Thrones, um, which is why I thought it was smart to name the show that, because you guys are all arguing about who's going to be on the Iron Throne and blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, the end of the world is right around the corner. (laughs) (laughs) And none of that shit's going to matter. It's the biggest red herring I've ever I've ever seen in a in a story in a storytelling sense. All of that Iron Throne bullshit is all the biggest red herring. It's all about the Walkers, and it's always been about the Walkers. Yeah, and it's always about them 
them protecting that. And you had said, said it earlier um, that, you know, the free folk, and uh, Tim McIntyre brought this up to me, which is a great point. The free folk and the Dothraki, and it's all these free people. And eventually, I think Danny's words of, I'm not going to stop the wheel, I'm going to break the wheel, are going to come into play. And I don't think there's going to be an Iron Throne when, when this is all said and done. I think it's going to be something radically different. Oh, I think definitely. And I think there was a lot yeah. of stuff in this season. You know, like I said, I do want to talk about different types of government and how people completely misread how to rule with them or how to rule with that around them. Uh, sure. Yeah, every single one of them failed. I mean, we've got theocracy, we've got democracy, we've got feudal monarchy. Uh, Amanda brought up, we at least get with, uh, uh, Valeria. with Valeria, what appears to be technocracy. All of them have failed or are failing the people trying yeah. to use them now. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about that in a minute. But Amanda, okay. do you have a yeah, having, having best moment of the season? Considered it, I think the use of Drogon this season is oh, yeah. was highly effective. And who wouldn't be thrilled when Drogon came to Danny's rescue? It worked for me in a couple of levels. One, the spectacle of it, because you know, she she finally had this moment where it looked like she cast her mind out. So she might be beginning to figure that shit out. Yeah. <laughs> Um, secondly, Drogon certainly protected her and it was thrilling to watch her ride off on his back, but she also came to the realization that as big a gun as she has in this dragon, he's not going to be all, all that in terms of protecting her. He can be injured. He can be hurt. So how do, how do I utilize this going forward? And what is it going to take if I really want to either break the cycle, break the wheel, rule? Cause I've got, my own skills and my own, own ideas, that's not enough. I've got big guns, that's not enough. What do I do? Yeah, and, and, and she can't control him. Like, he was killing Unsullied as well he was killing Sons of the Harpy, and he was killing indiscriminately. He was just spraying down fire. Yeah. You know, so she had to get him away from that. They, again, I, they, they probably could have beat that in a little more on the show. But but that, yeah, like that, it's not enough. There's that, um, yeah, these are great, but... There, there, a dragon is great for. I mean, they call him Aegon the Conqueror, the the first, you know, the guy that took over Westeros. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, they're great for conquering. It's not great for ruling. Exactly. It's a nuke. It kills yeah, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think Danny's arc for me worked the best in terms of of being a a, a high point and a bit of spectacle and, and a lot to, to think on. I love the fact that she and Tyrion finally got together. Here we have yeah. arguably one of the great minds for politics in this entire world um, with her ability to comport herself and, and say the words like some sort of weird Cyrano de Bergerac thing. <laughs> <laughs> and um, was it, who's the name of the bald guy that's, that was originally the, the guy that deals with all the spy master uh, stuff. Varys. The Varys. Spider. So he's there too. So that's something that Tyrion didn't even have access to as a resource for a while. Now, Danny and he have him, and I and I think that that's going to be a formidable trio going I forward. I think it definitely will because I, I think it hammered home in this season that she needs something. She's got a, a lot of natural yeah. talents, but she at no point was really in control of Marine. But she, I think also if you look at what's left, so you've got the Tyrell family in their weird alliance with Littlefinger, and and he'll throw in with anybody he thinks will get him a step further. But I don't know if he. Sure really has a full big picture beyond how can I not get killed this week 
And how can I get one I think more his thing? Picture is how he can grab power. That, yeah, that's what his end game is. With as much power as he can grab. But okay. the, ultimately, you know, that's that's where everybody else in this story has fallen down. Yes. Okay, so now I have power. Now what? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no plan beyond that. Oh, there, there's that that uh, the joke that Varys tells Tyrion in season two about uh, who 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 holds the power the the king. You know, there's a king, there's a priest, and there's a rich man that tells sellsword to kill the other two, and who really <laughs> has the power? And power is where you know men think it is. It's just a trick. It's just an illusion. Yeah, and the inability to think beyond I need power. Perfect example of that in this season was Marjorie who did absolutely everything right to become queen. And then it all turned to shit. Like she didn't think any further or nobody trained her any further than yeah. you get here and you're done. And it fell apart with her yeah. in two episodes. It's yeah, yeah. People don't think anything beyond, okay, I get this and then question mark and then profit. <laughs> and Cersei for that matter. Oh yeah. And didn't it was, think any further than getting the faith militant in power and didn't think it through. Yep. All right. Anything else, uh, or is that? No, I just I, I thought the use of the dragon was was the high point because it showed the the power inherent to the dragon, but also the downside to it. As yeah, and I think that's going to be important heading into season six. Okay, no, I definitely see that. For me, my favorite part: Arya with the faceless men. That that uh, entire arc, really? because even though this is a fantasy, and it's it's for my own warped. <laughs> I, I'm not necessarily a fantasy guy, so the stuff that will hook directly into the stuff that I'm interested in, there is, I defy you to argue against the fact that the House of Black and White is not fucking Batman school. <laughs> she is there to learn how to become Batman. <laughs> I mean, it's, she's got to make her way there and earn her way in, and depending on which version of Batman's origin, you know, you've got him climbing yeah. up the mountain to the League of Shadows. The house is clearly doing ninja training. You know, be invisible, blend in, strike silently, right. and vanish. You know, the, the main difference is the faceless men worship death as a gift, but ninjas are you know all about the dollar bills. But I yeah. thought ninjas were all about killing pirates. Uh, that's it. Depends on what uh, comic strip you read on the internet. But Arya rejects the spiritual nature of the training that she's getting right. in favor of her personal mission of revenge. You know, a revenge based on witnessing her fucking father's murder. Now, I will submit... And a your... lot of other horrors, too. Yeah. She's it... been through a lot. Now, I, I agree with you that people who seek revenge are punished. And seeking revenge in this world is not the way to go. And clearly she was punished by losing her vision after that she killed Trent. But in my head, her murder of Trent is akin to Bruce Wayne confronting Joe Chill. And once they get their primary, this was my main mission. This is the first person I was after. There can become a purity of, and now I can become a more general force against injustice and use these things that, that I believe in. Granted, her mission will still be revenge. So I don't think she'll become no one. I think she'll become a fucking yeah. bat. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because she ain't getting rid of Needle. You know, she's got needles still. Yeah. That's her last vestige of, of who she is. I don't think she'll ever fully become no one. Yeah. It's 
just the the parallels with Batman. I, I tweeted it at the end of last season when she was making her way there. It's like she's going to Batman school. That's what this is. <laughs> I love Batman school. <laughs> <laughs> so it, again, not being innately you know a fantasy guy, that's just something that the parallels kept hitting me. It's like, and I I could yeah. hook into it on that basis. Does oh, that sure. does yeah, that make okay. me the most critical watcher in the world? Both of your favorite moments were a hell of a lot smarter than mine, but I will stick with Batman almost every time. <laughs> well, I, I think when all, oh no, I was going to say when all else is in doubt, be Batman. That's it. exactly. <laughs> well, I think I think her story it, it is impactful, and the the thing is, she's we forget she's a kid. I mean, she she does right. all of this stuff. She she's a kid. You know, she just as easily could have learned to have been a thug and kill people from the hound. But she met this guy from Bravos. Does he have a name? No, he does. Jack and Hagar. Thank yes, you. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and he really imprints upon her. And it's because she's a kid. And it's just the way that he goes about his business of, of killing and, and the way he demonstrates loyalty based on on following through on doing some awful things but then can magically just change and go off. That's if you're 10 years old. Oh, sure. You know, that's going to stick with you, but you're not going to have the maturity or the understanding of the other pieces that come with it. And in part that because that's in, she's got no parent figure to teach her the value of these things. Right. Um, and she's, she's hurting from all of the loss in her life. I think that, if the guy running Batman school would have been a little harder on her for a little longer. <laughs> that will never be the house of black and white again. It is now Batman school. Batman I have school. spoken. Yeah. You know, she might've eventually got it, but on the other hand, you know, they may have also seen in her that she never really was going to get it unless she had a hard lesson. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes you got to let people fall down and go blind, I guess. <laughs> well, maybe it's daredevil school now. I don't know. Yes, but... It's changing. Yeah. <laughs> But it's it was just an arc that as an inveterate comic geek, it's like, okay, you are talking directly to me, showrunners, George R. R. Martin. I am with you yeah. on this. So yeah, Arya has become my favorite character. Not just because, hey, you're in Batman school, but yeah, the entire arc leading up to this where it's like, oh yeah, okay, I see all the Bruce Wayne from season yeah. one all the way here, and I want to see where you go. So for me, yeah, yeah seeing her actually take that step you know, yeah, I want to see her pull another matches Malone. Go undercover. Shanks Cersei in the kidneys from behind. Right. I wonder how long she'll be blind next season. She was blind in the book, if I remember right, uh, before uh, she it, it murdered was, Yeah, they, they're kind of going backwards into the story of, yeah. of her. Yeah. So, yeah, she'd done but, a lot of training being blind before that ever happened. Okay. So we're, we're going to see, I imagine, some of that stuff next season. Okay. All right. I'd be shocked if we don't all have the same answer, but we might not. John, what was the low point of the season for you? Oh, Dorn, man. Fucking Dorn, Dorn. Was, was brutal. Oh god. Was, first of all, they took out they took out so much of of what made Dorn interesting in the first place is that Dorn is a place where uh regardless of sex, the oldest child inherits. Yep. And there was a character Ar Ariane Martel, which was Dorn's daughter. Um, who was trying to basically put, uh, basically claim Marcella for queen of Westeros. Um, and that, so there was a whole plot underway there. Like Jamie and Braun don't go to Dorne in the books. 
Jamie's like in the Riverlands trying to settle, you know, fix stuff there. Yeah. Um, and then the Sand Snakes were just brutal, just absolutely awful. Oh. Whoever wrote that bad pussy line, I, it was just terrible. That was a, <laughs> there was, was a lot to the hate there. <laughs> that was one of the worst lines I've ever heard in my life. Oh, God. Awful, just <laughs> awful. Uh, and it was just yeah. like, um, I feel bad for, the, for uh, was Ale- Alexander Siddick? Uh, I, I don't know the actor's uh, name uh, that plays Doran, because Doran is actually an interesting character where – he doesn't want to get involved in war. He doesn't want to get involved in war. He's got a long game, and he's just as angry about all this as everybody else, but he knows subtlety, and he knows nuance, and he knows just going out and attacking the throne isn't going isn't gonna to do it. And Alaria in the book is weary of the violence. She's weary of revenge. She doesn't want to do this anymore. So they just kind of made her just super vengeful woman. Oh, yeah, and <laughs> just hateful and not really good about it no not no no, you didn't feel empathy for her at all because i I, even even though because i'm like well well, technically oberon lost fair and square yeah yeah i mean and he did it to himself (laughs) if he'd struck while my mountain was down it's all over right right exactly he went for vengeance and 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 i know that there's the long history with the lannisters and the martells and and that that you know, the mountain killed uh, Rygar's wife and, and and daughter and stuff and son. It just like it didn't feel like it went anywhere. And it was the fight scene in the water gardens was the one of the worst things I've ever seen. Oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh good Lord. It's <laughs> just terrible. Yeah. If and I always do this, if we're going to use superhero analogies, the sand snakes are they're the champions of they're the Great Lake Avengers of fucking oh, supervillains. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're act, actually they're they're like the goddamn enforcers from Spider-Man, where uh, that with Fancy Dan, so everybody's got a, a different silly weapon, and they're all fucking yeah. useless when it comes down to it. Right. There really is a even fucking Illyria with a poison lipstick. That's straight out of Dark Knight Returns from the Joker. Oh yeah, it's yeah, uh, yeah totally. they painted them up to be cheap supervillains and not really yeah. fucking good at it. Which right. was not the, the book, they're much more fleshed out. Yeah, absolutely. And again, exactly. my memories are, are four years old. But yeah, yeah, I remember I didn't walk out of the book thinking, oh, Christ, these people are useless. And I can't wait until, you know, right. I can't wait until Aria gets out of Batman school and fucking kills them all from 30 feet away. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to do to fix that, to fix that storyline. Um, I'm kind of curious if Marcella is even dead. She's another one. I'm not totally sure she's dead. Well, they're close enough. Jamie and Braun can turn around and clearly fight the Sand Snakes to a fucking standstill. And Braun's yeah. fucking shit faced half the time, and he fought him to a standstill. Right, right exactly. <laughs> Go ahead, Amanda. No, I was going to say uh, there there were super villains in the Tick that had more dignity <laughs> and a better skill set. Uh, seriously, after all of the all of the the press leading up to season five, and oh, the Sand Snakes, and they're going to be great, and it, it, just to watch them in action, it was just so cliched and hackneyed. Yeah. And oh, the accents, the accent work was about as bad as watching Kevin Costner and Robin Hood. It was just (laughs) cringeworthy. (laughs) Yeah, they they had the the one scene where they showed off their skills. And I don't remember any of their names from the show. And I didn't bother to look them up again. Yeah. And yeah, okay, you're great with a spear as long as a dude's completely immobilized. But in the meantime, yeah, and you're one fight, you're at a standstill. And then you spend the entire season in a cell you know, playing you know, slap, slap ass. Yeah. <laughs> right. And yeah. And then I'm like, with even their first introduction where they got the guy buried in the sand. I'm like, how long did that take? 
Like, why didn't they just tie him up? Like, how yeah. it's like that's a couple of hours of work just to dig a hole. That's like a, like at least a six foot hole. Yeah, it's you're supposed to be super villains. Work smarter, not harder. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> See, exactly. Did they come across him trying to get a tan on the beach, and they just decided, you know, this would be funny. <laughs> yeah. Put a scorpion <laughs> then, on his face, and then I'll shoot him with yeah. a spear. Yeah. I, I literally wrote in my notes as I was watching the episode, it, it was like an old SAT analogy <laughs> and it was DC's birds of prey are the sand snakes as Batman is the four bush man. Jesus. They're just fucking horrible. <laughs> yeah. That was a real disappointment. I was looking forward to the Dorn storyline. I thought maybe it would, they would do something interesting with it and we get some insights into that, that culture and, 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 and the characters. And it was, oof, yeah, no, it wasn't good. That was not good. Amanda, did you have a a different worst part of the season? No, that was pretty bad. That was yeah, that that sucked a lot. That was pretty bad. I mean, it seems to me the only only thing that happened in Dorne was to allow one exchange between um, what's her name, Elaria? Is that her name? Uh, what's the oh, name? Yeah, of the- Alaria. Alaria, yeah. and and Jamie. That lets Jamie believe. Okay, yeah, it's it's okay that I'm fucking my sister. Um, I can love yeah. who I love. Got it. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Yeah, actually. Like, I'm pretty sure he was okay with it anyway. Like, yeah. Because <laughs> he wouldn't yeah. keep doing it. But, and, and I did like the moment of pathos of, okay, finally I'm talking to Marcella and, and somebody understands me and then dead. I, you know, yeah. I liked that as far as Jamie's further development. And I, I always like Braun, but the Sand Snakes, yeah, oh, just, just awful. Well, <laughs> there's still time to pull it around with the Sand Snakes because, yeah, it yeah, just occurred well, no, it, it just occurred to me, Jamie was a reprehensible pile of shit in the first season. And the arc that he's yeah. taken to be, at least within the Lannister family, who has regular height as close to a hero that yeah. <laughs> that they've produced, with enough time, they can do a lot with these characters. You can turn the Sand Snakes around. You know, you can turn yeah, they the... just need to actually have characterization for them. They just, you know. Yeah. And they certainly didn't do that with this. It felt no. bolted on and all right, we need to have it because it's in the book and we know we're going to yeah. need these people later on. But yeah, we don't quite know what to do with them. Yeah, it just it, it didn't work. I think that's the danger with having a world this big. If you're going to do a storyline and not take the time to actually tell the story, you're going to do a disservice to the whole yes. piece of it. I mean, I yeah. as much as I missed Bran this season, I, I'm hoping that if he comes back next season we'll be able to to spend a lot of time with him and we can figure out why the actor now probably looks 20. And um, yeah, I'd almost just... <laughs> think I wouldn't be surprised if they recast him because yeah, at no, this point... I think they'll keep him. I think they'll keep him because I... he's going to be part of that tree. He's going to be in the tree. Yeah, he's going to be he's going to be the Oracle, basically, of the of the world. You can see stuff through the trees. So it doesn't matter how old he looks because you can kind of do stuff with makeup. And like once he's there. Yeah, he's there. I don't think he's I don't think he's leaving, basically. I don't okay. think he's leaving the deep north. OK. Yeah. So I feel like if you if you can take the time to just put aside one very important storyline entirely, then for something like the Sand Snakes, if you yeah. if you really need to tell that story, then tell that story and trim something else down. Right. Um, or or put them aside until you can actually tell it properly. Yeah, I think they're going to have Which they to. did with. Which they did with the Iron Islands. They they cut that totally out of. There's a storyline with the Iron Islands and and uh, and and Theon's sister and and uh, Theon's uncles who are these awful Viking characters that they just didn't. They left out of season five. It looks like they're going to put it in season six. But yeah, it's like you can do that. You can leave out a storyline and then bring it back 
later on. And, you know, I've not read the books, but apparently there's a great deal of fan outcry because they've cut out, it seems anyway, all of Lady Stoneheart, which I guess is a fairly important yeah. thing. In it's the books. not really important. Well, that's it, to, cool. to hear the internet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, I, I, I as as a as a as a fan of the books, I had to stop going to any kind of message boards. I couldn't handle the whining and the crying. <laughs> oh, and the, why do they change? And the people that have never, you know, worked a day in their life on a on a TV set explaining how production should be done and and all that stuff. It, it was just. <laughs> It's too much. Yeah, too much. 10, 12 years later, there are still places you can go on the internet and say Tom Bombadil and just watch veins popping <laughs> eyes. Yeah. 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 Sometimes yeah. you got to do what you got to do. It, this, yeah. this is a huge, what is it at this point? A 5,000 page, 6,000 page, just up until now, epic. You're not going to be able to do it all unless you do right. 50 episodes a year at an hour and a half each. So yeah. certain things are going to go and I'm okay with that. Exactly. So, all right. So uh, Amanda and I have talked a, a little bit, and, and we mentioned a little earlier in the show about some of the the, the greater themes uh, the, of this season, and there were just some that we picked out. John, I'll be, I'll be interested to hear if you have any. The big one for me was just sort of the dangers of blind faith, yeah, of, of a lot of different kinds, and how it really fucked people over you know, for the entire season. You know, the sparrows are. You know, the big one they take their faith completely yeah. seriously and i don't think i don't think we've seen anywhere close to the final outcome of that things are going to go really bad i think in king's landing probably by next season because you know, yeah. let's face it it's it's one thing to it's one thing if you're joe blow peasant on the street you know it's it'd be like if the catholic church took over las vegas you know, if right. you're a guy pushing a broom, it might be fun to watch Bugsy Siegel get frog marched down the strip. But when your dork gets kicked in and they take your porn right. and your tequila, things are going to be a little bit different. And right. I, I think we're going to see a huge amount of that next season. And certainly, and not only take it, but jail you for it. Yeah. And, 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 or, or, you know, kill you or execute you, you know? Yeah. And, and certainly, uh, Cersei clearly had no faith in the Sparrows religion, but having faith that, oh, yeah, I can just turn these people loose. Yeah, it didn't yeah. work out so well. Yeah. There's something really terrifying about a person who just believes they are right. Oh, definitely. We saw a lot of that. And Melisandre yeah. and Stannis. And yeah, yeah it's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, we saw the ills of that. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, with Stannis, his, his blind faith in the Lord of Light yeah. sets his daughter on fire. And right. yeah, it's it, it's still baffling to me. In 20 minutes, he's repaid with that by losing his army, his wife, yeah. his claim to the throne, and his life. It makes Ned Stark's fall look like the thousand-year reign of Emperor Leto Atreides II. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> That's a reference. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Westeros country song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any other examples you guys have of... of blind faith you know crushing people that i'm missing i've got a few more that aren't just straight religious faith but did i miss any well um, i mean I, in, and it's possible that i didn't because i'm wicked smart not like people you say smart. <laughs> well i mean outside of this season um there was there's there's the placating the old gods who i think are kind of maybe conflated with the white walkers because we had that that guy that's where Gilly comes from who was feeding all of the sons of his daughters that he was knocking up 
to the walkers. Oh, was it Christ Craster? Craster. Yeah. Craster. Yeah. yeah. Um, so feeling beholden to your old faith in order to placate it so that bad things don't happen has been yeah. happening leading up to this. And I think this is sort of where it's coming to a head because it, we know that religion has played a role, but it's finally getting to a point where it's overtaking reason and the reasonable right. people have been pushed to the sides or have been taken out of play. Yeah. More and more, particularly in this season. I think beyond faith, there's just, you know, belief. There's, there's the way that the men of the watch feel about the wildings yeah. and, and what happens there. If you try to challenge that, belief your perception is reality and the second you tell somebody that their reality is wrong you're going to get pushback and to a violent degree you see that with the sons of the harpy yeah oh definitely uh, all right so so let's move from that to you know, belief in we talked about it a little earlier in in government and the people you're trying to oh wait can i can i add one theme can i add can yes. i add one fuck you that, man that yeah shoot man. <laughs> so, i'm sorry <laughs> um that that uh I really feel like that, that that a big overarching theme of of the show. We talked about this a little before we started recording. I think um, is that uh, that the dead and the past has so hold so much sway on the present, and it's killing them. Yeah, uh, all these blood feuds that go back hundreds of years between families, and and even the wildlings in the Night Watch. This well, this is what we do. This is this is the enemy. They did. There was not a seven hundred foot wall built to keep out a few almost Scottish people. You know what I mean? Like that's not, Should have been a thousand feet of, of a giant wall like that. And even in that hard home episode, uh, the Fen says my ancestors would, 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 you know, spit on me if they, if they saw that I broke bread with a, with a crow and, uh, the wildling woman says, yeah, well, so would mine, but fuck them. They're dead. Yeah. And that's like, and then, and then the white walkers army becomes a literal visual, interpretation of that theme yeah. where all the dead is coming back to to kill them basically and and until these people let go of that and let go of the past and let go of what they think things should be Tyrion has a great line in uh in the episode with the fighting pit uh where he says to his dar he says don't mistake what has been with what should be especially when what has been has profited you right you know uh and and, it, and that, that that's a huge thing it's like what is doesn't mean that has to be what is going to be. And what was doesn't mean that it's going to have to be what is going to be. And that until you let go of that, that's then you're never going to be free. And yeah, there, there is a lot supporting that. I mean, the, the most obvious is the sparrows and their old time religion, you know, an attempt yes. to go back to the past just wrecks everyone in their wake. And yeah. we're going to see the high sparrow corrupted even more than he is now. You you can see uh, yeah. who's the actor, Jonathan, Jonathan Price. Price. Yeah. And, and it's weird to see Sam Lowry in a fucking position of blind animal, arrogant fucking authority. It just seems wrong, yeah. but he's good at it. <laughs> but uh, he's so great. And even with uh, the new gods, the Lord of light, everyone is so focused on, you know, like you said, I can't interpret the signals because I'm viewing everything through, okay, well, if it has to be the King's blood, it must be the Baratheon line, or it has yeah. to be the Targaryen line, and she can't see past, uh, Melisandre can't see past right. her past and the way things have always been to make the right choice. Clearly, there's right. power behind that god. She's gotten some results until recently. Exactly, and they showed in the third season, I mean, there's there's a reason they showed you 
a whole season of of the Brotherhood Without Banners, bringing back Beric Dondarrion from yeah. the dead, yep. Thoros of Mir, who's the, of the same religion. And like like Amanda said earlier, um, you know, Craster was doing this stuff to keep the bad things at bay, and she's trying to do stuff to bring stuff into happening when none of them realize this is all going to happen regardless of what you do. Yeah, it's all part of the same wheel, and and Danny's yeah. You know, comment at the end of the season that she she wants to break the wheel. I find it I found it interesting that we spent some time going through old Valeria because here's yeah. another case too of transformed people. We see what happens. You hear we heard about the stone people and how they could go wild. We see it physically, and so we've got the walkers who are the embodiment of the dead coming back to possibly sweep away the living or bring us all back into the past. We've got the walkers who. Our, our history that we've put out to pasture and have wanted to leave behind. Living in this place, it was supposed to be the pinnacle of technology and enlightenment until it went to hell like Rome, apparently. Right. Yeah. Um, well, there's the doom of Valeria that they haven't exactly said what it is, but there is a very like Atlantean kind of uh, demise to it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and yeah. I was, and maybe you can, maybe you can shed light on this because Rob wasn't sure. Um, is, is this where Valerian stupid. steel comes from? Yes, yeah, Valeria is where the Valerian steel comes from, okay. and uh, and that the art of making it, it's folded a, a bunch of times. I'm actually kind of wondering if the dragon glass, which is obsidian, yeah, um, is woven into the uh, the Valerian steel swords because uh, randomly enough, the week I saw that episode, the Hardhome episode, I was in Boston. And we were down the Cape, and we went to the sa- the Sandwich Glassworks. Oh, cool. and there was a, there was a little exhibit on obsidian, and it talks about how if it's cut by by someone that really knows what they're doing, it can be five times sharper than surgical steel. Damn. Well, so see- there's actually some science behind it, which is kind of interesting. But yeah, and apparently only one person in the world exists that knows how to actually make a Valerian steel sword. He's the one that melted down ice and and made the two swords from it. And so we're 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 given this glimpse of this place from the past that could provide the technology that kills the past that wants to come back to haunt us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so the question becomes, can we break the wheel? Can we embrace progress and move forward? Or are we ever going to be just forever trapped in this past? That's right. Because if you look at the history of Westeros and when they talk about all this stuff, it's been thousands of years and there's been no technological advantages advances and it's funny because they're in the same place that they were with Aegon the conqueror they're in the same technological headspace that they were hundreds of years ago and thousands of years ago yeah and so they've put technology to the side and they've put magic to the side as well yeah so they're just in this awful awful place where there's there's no wonderment from anything really yeah there's no past and there's no future yeah you know, the closest we got to the past having any kind of positive effect was the rebirth of dragons, and that took magic. Right. It's like they're stuck in a Denny's in Assfuck, Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants that. But I think that's why the White Walkers are coming back, because the dragons had died off. So now that's the ice and fire. You know, ah. that's the balance. Yeah. So their balance wasn't there. Now their balance is coming back. The circle of life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the one we, well, you know, we almost had that with the white, the night King, the white Walker holding up the baby. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if we could just get Benson to voice him. It'd be great. White Walker Simba. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh, Jesus. 
All right. So, so yeah, let, let's talk a little bit about the faith in governments and, and how everybody just has the wrong fucking government for the trying the, the people oh, yeah. they're trying to rule. Daenerys is probably arguably the most clear cut because she's trying to bring what seems like Westeros-style values and feudalism to Marine. She bans slavery. Yeah. Uh, she tries to you know, do the logical thing under that system. I'm going to solidify my position through marriage. Um, and she's repaid by all her efforts to bring it forward in time in air quotes to the relative squalor of feudalism uh, by attempted assassination and basically just about exile. Yeah. Um, I mean, I shudder to think how Tyrion is going to fare you know, without even Dario around to, to help steer him. Because, I mean, that whole sequence where, where Tyrion... Uh, Dario told, tells him that uh, he needs the head of the Unsullied, whose uh, name I forget, but needs his Grey help. Grey Worm. Yeah, Grey Worm. Uh, needs Grey Worm's help in order to you know to rule because they respect him. The the friggin' Unsullied, they were getting picked off by the handful, you know, by whores who they were paying to act as wet nurses. They're not yeah. intimidating to me right now. They have not done a good job. They have not lived up to the hype. Yeah, I mean, maybe yeah. maybe they, their their strength their strength is obviously in open battle, but. But um, yeah, they have not. They're not doing their job as bodyguards, and they're or as a city watch. They just have not lived up to the hype at all. Yeah. So you've got the wrong people doing that job. Um, Marine is their Vietnam, as you said earlier. Yeah. <laughs> but they're just utterly ineffectual. Part of me likes to to imagine that the dude Indiana, the dude swinging the sword that Indiana Jones shot, that dude was an unsullied. He just sucks. He's just. <laughs> It's got a spear. It's just like, Whoa. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, there was also, uh, yeah, it's Cersei and the Sparrows, uh, letting them take power. Uh, we've talked about that because, uh, yeah, th that's clearly not going to work out. Jon right. Snow trying to rule the Night's Watch like his father ruled Winterfell. Yeah. You know, Night's Watch is in a lot of ways, a democracy i mean he was elected democratically yeah. he was elected yeah. democratically by a fluke but then he tried to show his strength by beheading slint but even then slint's big thing re rebellion is fuck you i didn't cast a stone for you but he's still yeah. trying to rule it like it's winterfell and he's ignoring some of the wishes of the people who voted for him you know, they don't want to trust the wildlings and right. he's just trying to rule by fiat is it the right thing to do yeah obviously winter's coming the White yeah. Walkers are coming, but he's executing it wrong for the people that he's trying to rule. I do think that he actually gained support by beheading Jano Slint. I don't know. I'm not sure I agree. I think was, I, for some people he did. For some others, he was never going to. I think him for that. <laughs> you, can't let someone, you can't let someone talk to you like that as a new leader, as a young, as a young kid, you know, which for all intents and purposes he is. Um, and... And Jano Slint, no one was a fan of Jano Slint. I don't think any of the watch were a fan of Jano Slint. He was a coward. He was arrogant. Um, and I, I actually, th I actually do think, I think that's the one beheading juxtaposed with Danny beheading that, that Marine guy, uh, with, with Rob beheading, uh, Car Stark and Theon beheading Roderick Castle when he took Winterfell. It's the one beheading that has actually benefited the, the character. Uh, I, All the other ones led to pretty much their downfall. I can see your point, but I'm not sure I 100 percent agree. It's well, uh, I think well, there was I think there was enough rustling in the crowd of oh Jesus is he really going to do it? 
You know, yeah. it's particularly if you're casting votes and it's like, oh, shit, I voted for that guy. And you know whose respect I think he gained with that? And it'll be helpful for him possibly in the long term is Stannis's. I have, oh, definitely. Oh, without a doubt. I have no doubt that he he got Stannis. It didn't in the book. Didn't Stannis say that he agreed with the decision? Yeah. Well, even on the show, they show after he does it, they show Stannis watching, and he kind of gives like a little nod and then walks off. Okay. So yeah, he he definitely got Stannis's approval, but yeah, it, I don't know. They're... But no, but this will be important later because if John is going to be moving into a position where he can take power ultimately, possibly in concert with Danny. If he if he wants the watch behind him and if Stannis at that point is in a position where he's in the watch or whatever he's doing, he's going to need his support. It, it might have yeah. made a, a, a really good long term. And again, John, I'm not saying that that you're wrong. There, there's a lot to be said for your argument. It's just it, having watched it again, not too not too long in the past, just a couple of days ago, there was enough rustling in the crowd of, oh, is he really okay. going to do it? The, yeah. Part of me thinks that if he'd backed off and just said yeah you're you're gonna go do it or even just exiled him and said fine i can show mercy i can see reason in the face of yeah. you have unburdened yourself with that you are a coward and you've always been afraid i'll let you live your miserable life but you're gone uh, i think it might have made a difference but uh, okay you raise a pretty good point i'm just yeah. not 100 percent convinced on that one here, here is an interesting uh little wrench to throw into with the whole john snow and the night's watch thing if he's dead, which I believe he is technically dead and, and died, his n vows to the Night's Watch are fulfilled. That's right. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Right. Yeah. And that's the only thing keeping him there are his vows, honestly. Yeah. Jesus Christ. All right. So so there's a wide open path to marriage with Daenerys to consolidate yeah, I the don't North know if that's and Marine. I think that's the happy ending people want, and I don't know if it's going to be exactly that. But well, but, I, uh, I don't imagine a, a really happy ending. But it's you know this yeah. forces you to try to think politically, and even then, it's a, I, I automatically went to thinking of the old ways of doing things. Well, shit, of course right, you have to exactly. consolidate your shit with marriage. Exactly. Didn't work for Daenerys the first no. time, so yeah, I could well be wrong. I do have a theory about how part of the thing is going to end. And it's just, oh, yeah. it's just a little piece, you know, now that we've seen uh, Franken Mountain. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Have we not seen uh, at least one of the Stark boys be able to warg into the simple-minded? Oh, yeah. That's uh, interesting. Well, well, I definitely think he's going to warg into a dragon at some point. You don't introduce dragons and introduce people that can jump into animals and not oh, someone yeah. jump into a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that solves Danny's problem of I can't control my dragons. Yeah. Now, yeah. now they're drones. <laughs> I don't get too political <laughs> about the real world here, but just saying, you could have a more targeted surgical strike. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to see but... Franken Mountain behead Cersei. Oh right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I I think she's gonna. I think she's gonna try to do like a trial by combat, and he's gonna be the, her champion. Oh, most definitely, at least in the medium yeah. term. But I think he's right. a wide open vessel. If you can take on yeah. Hodor. Who at least has the ability to say Hodor? Yeah, Franken Mountain. <laughs> Franken Mountain didn't take no vow of silence. <laughs> and and talk about talk about a, a Chekhov's gun. I think the Hodor, the word Hodor, is going to come into play somehow. Oh, I had not thought of that well, either. Like a safe word? What? <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. I think it's going to. I just. I think there's going to be some magic in that word because because that's not his name. Yeah. Well, his name is Walder. Oh. See, every time he every time Hodor says that, I have always flashed to Tom Cullen in the stand 
who always said M-O-O-N. Yeah. And then when he really needed to follow the moon, he was dead on point. So exactly. you might have something I, there. There's going to be something to that, I think. That's the that's the speak friend and enter, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we talked about beheading Cersei. That walk of shame, was, oh, number one, is horrific to watch. Harrowing, yeah. Was that enough to redeem her in any significant way for either one of you? No. It made, it made me feel sorry for her. I Definitely. Felt, I felt awful that she had to do that. That that I don't I don't think that that you know that's obviously not an acceptable punishment. Uh, no. For anyone. You know? No, that's not cool. <laughs> to yeah. say the least. Uh, so, it, but it did make. I, I mean, I don't think there's any one act of redemption for any character. I think it's a it's a it's a it's a journey for everybody. Um, in Cersei, they've done a really nice job on the show of fleshing her out as a person. Where in the book she she's a little more paranoid and a little more uh, she comes off more crazy and a little more one dimensional. Yeah. But uh, in the show you really get a sense of her as a person and where her paranoia comes from. And she's really when you look at her she's really a feminist. She's standing up to the patriarchy because she believes that just because she's a woman doesn't mean she shouldn't be able to to inherit Casterly Rock and and be in power because she feels she she's wrong. She's that in that. She's not capable of, of ruling correctly because her paranoia and her arrogance get in the way. Yeah. But her, her ideals are, are correct, you know. Yeah, I think we saw a lot more in the last book, Dance of Dragons. I may have been thinking of the one I wrote, but she, she makes a no, lot Feast more. For, yeah, Feast for Crows. Yeah. She, you got her perspective, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, there was a lot more paranoia and bad decisions, and you get much more of a sense that, she may be correct that she should have the right to do it, but she really is in over her head and making yes, bad exactly. decisions that yeah, doesn't come exactly. across, comes across more. I'm going to destroy my enemies by any means necessary in the, right. in the TV show. And I think it's only right. going to get worse. I didn't feel bad for her at all. I, Oh, you didn't? No, I, I, I <laughs> you're, it's because you're a monster, man. Well, no, I mean, she spends all this time. I mean, granted, I haven't read the books. I, I, I did. There was, you know, why can't I inherit things? Well, I don't know, because you seem kind of incompetent, um, <laughs> frankly. Um, and I think your dad knows it. Yeah. Uh, so at the end of it, yeah, it's awful. She was bruised and people spat on her and, and you know, she endured humiliation she hadn't seen before. Oh, no, peasant dangly bits. Um, <laughs> but. She gets to the end of it, and there are people there to scoop her up, and, and it's not like she's like exiled. It maybe her power is somewhat diminished. They, All she's going to take away. I'm sorry. Well, go ahead. Go ahead, John. <laughs> oh, there aren't people there to scoop her up. Kyborn scoops her up. The other ones look at her with like shame in their eyes. Yeah. Kaisel and Kevin and all they all look at her like like with disgust. Kyborn, the Mengala of <laughs> is. Uh, is the one that scoops her up, you know? No, you definitely have a point. Yeah. Now that you mention it, yeah, they did hang back. But I guess I, I, if she doesn't take away something from this that makes her more humble, then she's learned nothing from it. And, and therefore, it, it, she deserved it and more because she still hasn't gotten it. Yeah, well, no, there's definitely that. There is definitely that. At least Arya, when she comes to the end of of her arc this season, something bad happens to her that one would presume will cause her to change her course of action and, and grow from the experience. I, I think Cersei isn't really in a place where she can grow at this point because there's just so much other stuff with her that's not resolved 
emotionally, whatever. I think there probably yeah, they, there could be a certain amount of growth, but she's another one. You have to go a hell of a long way to redeem what she's done over the last five years. Yeah, and right. I don't think she's going to survive to the end either. I think I think she's not long for this world in in either the next book or the, the very last one. And I, I I think it'll be interesting to see what happens now that she's somewhat diminished when Jamie comes back. You know, she's she's had yeah. the psychological equivalent of what happened to Jamie's hand leveled upon her in front of the populace. Yeah. So they are both diminished. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, like what made her her was kind of taken away from her. Yeah. yeah. Like what she had, yeah. Her oh. beauty and her, her, her uh, sense of that detachment that the royals have of, oh, they're special people. And it's like, oh, no, she's not. She just looks like everybody else walking naked through the streets. Yes. <laughs> but, you know. And, no, I'm sorry. I don't look like that walking naked through the streets. Well, you know what I mean. You know I'm I mean. screaming from the mace and it's terrible. <laughs> I'm, I think I'm more curious to see how Marjorie comes out on the other side of this. Because oh, yeah. she so far hasn't caved and hasn't taken the shame walk. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure. How and she go. was beloved and relatable to a certain degree to the common people. Yeah, she may yeah. come out of this on top when when the I don't think she's going to have to take the shame walk though because she her curse her, her crimes aren't sex related. And I think that the shame walk comes from from sinning sexually. I don't think the sparrows are going to last long enough for her to go on trial. Yeah. Uh, seriously, they'll they've gotten the queen and the first thing we see is the the first thing we've seen repeatedly, which we saw I mentioned it with Marjorie. It's get power question mark profit. So right now, this, the High Sparrow has power. He took down the Queen. Right. I don't think he really has given any thought to, oh, and now how can I deal with the populace and maintain this? He's like, no, I got the Queen. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I can yeah, take my yeah, will yeah. out on everybody. And I think we're going to see rebellion long before Marjorie. Right. I think yeah. Cersei may get may have to flee. I don't think she'll get killed in the rebellion. She might have to, to flee King's Landing. But I think Marjorie is going to wind up right on top of that. So I'll bet you she never sees trial. And that's where the the, the High Sparrow, you know, is is kind of believing the hubris or, or get, getting sucked into the hubris. Oh, we speak for the people. Well, no, honestly, if, if you're in charge, it's interchangeable if you're, if you're at the bottom of, of the food chain. It's just somebody sure. else's boot on your neck. And if you're on top of everything else, taking away those small creature comforts and pleasures that you can use to forget about the fact that it itches and <laughs> and it burns when you pee, <laughs> then, you know, God help you. <laughs> yeah. All right. So one of the things that got a ton of press about the, uh, about the show this year to the point where there were, there were geek sites, like flat out, just all we do is genre stuff flat out refused. They said, we're not going to cover the yeah. show anymore. We can't do it in good conscience, whether right or wrong was the overall, particularly sexual violence and horror in a couple of episodes on this. In particular, the, the two things were Ramsey's assault rape of Sansa yeah. on their wedding night and yeah, burning Shireen to death, even though it wasn't shown. Did you guys have any, beyond obviously it's disturbing those things were meant to be disturbing no matter what right. did you guys have a, a problem with that to the point of and 
okay, maybe I'm out or at, how big a problem did you guys have with it? Cause I'll, I'll be uh, upfront other than a minor problem. I'll get to in a middle. I didn't in a minute, rather, I, I didn't have a particular problem with either one of them. Westeros is a shit show. It's a terrible fucking place. Nobody has a good life there. Ramsey Bolton is a fucking terrible person. He is a monster. This is, you know, we were supposed to be on Stannis' side because he was in a person, like I said before, best in a position to maybe kill Ramsey. But that that wasn't destined to happen. So these guys had to have Stannis do something so awful that it was okay for him to not just potentially die, although you've convinced me that that's probably not the case, but for it to be okay that he failed to kill Ramsey. Like we said before, Stannis has burned people alive before. He had his younger brother killed. He was never a good guy. So the idea that he would turn on his daughter is another bridge too far, potentially, but it's not out of character with the way he's acted almost from the first time we were introduced with introduced to him. So anything about, you know, oh, maybe he's the hero now, particularly because he can kill this piece of shit Ramsey, you had to blow that away. And with regards to Sansa... Yes, in the book, it was, uh, was it her friend Janie was Janie, the one who was actually... Jane, Jane Poole. Jane, Jane Poole. Poole. You yeah. see her a little in the first season. Yeah, it was um, Yeah, it was actually her that was married to Ramsay, but with the decision to keep Sansa in the action and put her there... Sure. Uh, this was... It. We've seen Ramsay be a monster. What did you... What did we expect yeah. to happen? You know, for, for her to go full ninja and, you know, chuck wildfire on him or something? She'd have been ripped apart by Ramsey's people in 30 fucking seconds. You know, Reek wasn't going to go full Batman. You know, we've seen him right. so beaten down. It would have taken a lot more than just this. And we saw it took a lot more than just this to yeah. get him to the point where he could have any agency of his own whatsoever. The thing that I did have a problem with is having Reek in the room to watch it happen. And I recognize that in the book, Reek wasn't just in the room, you know, Reek was forced to uh, be a part of, yeah, 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 Reek. (laughs) Well, it made it that much more awful for Sansa, but it was in line with with Ramsay's constant need to put Reek in a place of degradation, because the only way the conditioning works is if he goes through this cycle that makes him this this Stockholm victim, where it's, you know, occasionally I give you this one nice, kind moment, and then the rest of the time I'm a bastard to you. And if that, honestly, on on Ramsey's part, that's his big test. If, If he can endure and not break his conditioning watching what's happening to Sansa, he owns this guy. And maybe I'm willing, more willing to accept it because, in retrospect, it was the first big misstep. I think it wound up being the first step toward him, toward Theon being willing to at least step back toward being Theon again. I agree. Mm-hmm. But I don't think... <sighs> I, but Ramsey's not like a te- technical mastermind. No. He's pure id. Yeah. That's true. So he, so, so he would act like that because... For just like at dinner when he has that the power play of making uh, Theon apologize to Sansa because remember that that Theon and Sansa have a history, and and they have they grew up together and and you know he took over Winterfell and she thought he killed the the um the brothers and how how even more cruel that not only did he make someone watch them 
have sex on their wedding night and consummate it, but that it's him for both of them. It's a power yeah. play on both of them. And, and I can see your point. I'm just not sure it added anything. Um, my point being as motivation for, for Reek to start feeling like he has to become Theon again, uh, for motivation for him. It's like, what have I done? This is terrible. I don't yeah. think he had to be in the room knowing that it's happening would have been enough. Not we necessarily. Don't... I don't think so. I... Okay, I'm sorry. I was going to say, it's, it's, I think for, for, for Theon, Reek, whatever, it starts to become real when he starts to see it happening to other people that he has any kind of vestige of care about. Bad things, horrific things have been, have been visited upon Theon. So, and it, it comes to a head when the, the kennel, um, master's daughter starts threatening to do the same thing to Sansa. When, you know, it, and that's and that's the point where he decides to toss her off the parapet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because um, because with uh, you know, with Theon last season, we saw his sister tried to rescue him, and he wouldn't go because he thought it was a trap. Like his own sister was there to rescue him, and he it, so it it was going to take something very strong and visceral and, and to to make him snap snap out of it at all. I mean, because. He's like he's suppressed Theon so much that he is only Reek, and that's all he is. That it was going to take something vicious, that vicious to to. I don't think him knowing that they were having sex was going to be enough. There's no Theon, only Zul. No, uh. There's always. <laughs> all right, you're 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 talking me around on this. Yeah, because yeah. my my original thought was uh, as long as he knows it, but I don't. Have we seen any scenes of? Theon slash Reek seeing Ramsey doing anything like this to anybody else. No, no. Now, he might intellectually know it. He might have been told about it. So, yeah, no. maybe it took. No, this is real. This is not just, you know, you're his favorite right. project. He does it with everybody. And it's just going to get worse with Sansa, who you've already yeah. betrayed. OK, right. All right. Yeah. And he's been on he's been on a hunt. He's been on a hunt with Ramsey in the in last season. That's right. I think it's the first time you see him as Reek. That's um, right. I forgot he, about that. Uh, so so he knows that that Ramsey does that. And like, you know, his his line of she goes, it can't get any worse than this. And he goes, it can always get worse. OK, but I, I didn't I don't blame anybody that goes, man, this shit is bleak. I, I don't want to watch this anymore. I'm not enjoying it. I don't. I don't blame anybody that has that 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 vibe to it. Uh, that has that feeling about it because it is. It's really dark and really bleak. I didn't agree with a lot of the arguments made. In that, you know, like what we just discussed, that they didn't need to, they didn't need Theon in the room. Um, I didn't. I did definitely did not agree that by showing Theon's reaction to it made it about Theon and not about Sansa. I mean, we heard Sansa's screams. We heard her. The, the same as with the uh, with Shireen burning, like taking the camera off her. You 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 don't want to have this camera on Sansa and Ramsay, you know. And, and uh, I can never pronounce his name correctly. Uh, I think it's oh, oh, uh, Ian Ian Rune, the the actor that plays Ramsay. Yeah, it's a good looking guy. He's a good looking guy. He's built, you know. Um, you don't want to you don't want to take the chance. Of making the scene come off titillating, you don't you know want to. I mean? like, you don't want to eroticize it because there yeah, should exactly, there should be nothing. Exactly. There is nothing erotic about that situation. It. It's not sexual. That's why I didn't agree with the uh, 
well, this is just gratuitous and this is just blah, blah, blah. I, I didn't feel it was gratuitous. Like gratuitous would have been showing it. That's gratuitous. Well, could they have achieved the same effect by just closing the door and like fade to black? See, that was my original. But I, think the hor- I think seeing the horror on Theon's face really with the screams, it really sells it. Yeah, and and I, I don't disagree. I I'm I understand where the segment of the population that complain about the violence against women in this show are coming from because oh, they, sure. they they we've talked about it in other episodes of of this podcast. There seems to be a, a case where writers will default to rape in terms of yeah. and now we're we're showing that someone is an awful human being right. <laughs> and it's at the expense of that female character's storyline. Uh, but at the same time, given, given that this is Westeros and Easteros right. in this, in this world, nobody is got it easy anywhere. And this kind of yeah. violence most likely is happening. And well, also too, Theon had his dick chopped off Yeah, in season three. And people were laughing about that. There were memes. There were like, what that's, that's rape. That's a sexual assault. It is um, definitely, you know, this genital mutilation there, 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 you know, it, it's, um, it's, I, I don't feel that I, I feel one, one of the big themes actually of, of the series is how awful that patriarchy is and how it really hurts people, especially women, of course. Um, and I think that theme is, is shown over and over again. I, I, but where I have the problem is where people start attributing, uh, malice on the, on the, uh, part of the showrunners. Oh, they, Benioff and Weiss hate these characters. That's why they're doing it. They waited for they waited for Sophie Turner to turn eighteen so they could rape her on the show. It's like, come <laughs> That's on, That's ridiculous. You know, these characters are not Justice League International, and these guys yeah. are not Dan DiDio. It's yeah, <laughs> the waiting till eighteen. In the book, isn't Sansa maybe fifteen? For Christ's maybe. sake, by the time yeah, yeah she's this, not eighteen. This yeah. point they're of the season's going. All the marriage up. Danny was raped by yep. Drogo, but people think it's romantic because they like that love story. Well, one they, of the things they were trying to, one of the things they were trying to, to that the, that fans that were outraged, and I know the website that Mary Sue is the one of the ones you're talking about, and they said we won't promote the show anymore, which I think is weird if you're going to do a critical analysis of it. Yeah. It's like either you're going to review it and be critical. That's not promoting it. That's right. being reviewing it and being critical. That's you it's know, also sending a different thing. sending a message to their readership. You know, it it is right to boycott a thing in order to get people to write about things differently, and. This this show again, it's a period fantasy piece. Yeah, I don't think that that's a valid. I, I don't think that's valid in terms of of how you're asking people to approach a creative task. I do. I agree because you're looking at it with 2015 eyes and not with uh, you, like I mean, in Westeros there is a bedding ceremony. Yeah, that where they strip the male and the woman down and they bring them into bed and they wait outside to make sure that they have sex to consummate the marriage. So. If you're getting married in Western, and, and this is not, and, and, and I, if this comes off harsh at all, I did not mean it in that way. But I mean, it, there's the expectation of if you're getting married in Westeros, it's getting consummated that night. Period. Yeah. Yeah. It's happening. It's happening. That, I mean, because women are treated as property, which which is which is awful. Yeah. Marriage you know? is not and about love the there. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, exactly. It's about power and about, about uh, accumulation of, of power in, in land and such. But yeah, I, I, so I don't have, I never have a problem with people that go, oh, it's too bleak. It's, it, I, I mean, reading the books, I got nightmares, especially from the Ramsey stuff and the Reek stuff. It, it's bleak and it, it, it's horrific. Um, but, I, but I do also think, I don't think they go out of their way to demean a character 
I mean, other than Reek, obviously, but that was the point of that story. Is yeah. That. I, I, I fall short of when the people go, oh, they hate a character or they're, they're just doing it because they don't want to show women in power or women's, you know, have strength or agency. I, that's where I take it. That's where I take umbrage with it. I'm like, well, I, 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 I particularly yeah. in a story where Daenerys Targaryen is arguably the savior of, of the entire land. Of course. And, and they're trying to, a lot of people that feel that way are trying to turn Sansa into exactly what she is against of, they're trying to turn her into the princess that gets saved at the last minute. Yeah. Cause and, and her whole storyline is, is she's getting disillusioned of what it really means to be a princess and what it means, what knights and kings and princes are really all about. Yeah. And, and, and we're going to have, have her, you know, like throw wildfire at him or whatever, like you're saying in the end and save herself right there at the end. Well, that's not this story. People forget, I think, in the first season, she wanted to marry Joffrey. She fantasized right. about that. Yeah. She had that's no idea. Whole, that's her whole arc is that she, it's not like it is in the songs, basically, is her story. That's the theme of her arc. It, it is it's not like it's not it's not what you dreamt dreamt about this is the reality of it and in terms of um, larger violence visited towards other male characters isn't Varys a eunuch yep yeah he's a eunuch as well yeah so all of the unsullied are eunuchs all of the unsullied are eunuchs yeah so i i think overall there are there are male characters who and again the femi- the the feminist internet people would say Look, they're they're of privilege because white male, whatever, or not. Sure. It's not that the unsullied are white, but yeah, <laughs> the idea being that yeah. it's 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 not as big a deal because they're more often in privileged storylines. So why aren't we raising up more of the women? Well, you've got Brienne, you've got Arya, yeah, you've got um, yeah. Theon's yeah. sister. Arya's going to be Batman yeah. for Christ's sake! It doesn't <laughs> yeah. get any better than that. You know, Marjorie. And you've got Sansa. Sansa, and, like, just because she's raped doesn't make her weak. Yeah. Yeah, it's, she knew she steals herself for that. She's a strong character. She that character has survived stuff that I don't think Arya would have survived in her situation, and vice versa. She knew exactly. Yeah, she knew exactly what was going to happen. She was stealing herself for it. And if there was a character who has earned, yeah, of course he's going to go in there and rape her. It's Ramsay Bolton. Once that situation's happening, to make it be Burn anything. Might be a little weird. well i think when brienne finally does something awful to ramsey that's where it's going to that'll be the big moment like here you didn't see this coming yeah and when i say earned it's you know (laughs) you if you put the two of them in that situation if you're going to be true to that monstrous character this is what's going to happen if if not worse than this ask theon it's yeah, yeah. That's just the way it had to play out if you're going to be true to the characters and the story you've been telling. Right. And I think the and, and because it was Sansa on the show, um because it does muddy it a little because in the books that storyline is definitely Theon's beginning of redemption arc. I mean it is definitely his storyline. Um so you add, you do add a major character into it on the show. And then it is hard. So when people go, well, it's more about Theon. Well, that storyline was technically about him. So they put Sansa in it because, you know, you put a character that you know and you care about in that situation for a TV show. It makes much more sense. Um, So it does muddy it where you need to make it about her, too. And it does kind of muddy the waters just a touch. Yeah. But, yeah, it's you guys have convinced me that, yeah, Theon had to be there in order for his arc to continue. But, yeah. Otherwise, yeah. this is 
the world that has been written. These are the characters that yeah. have been written. Yeah. And if you're going to be true to them, this shit's going to happen. Sure. And you have to have a certain amount of faith that even though this is a world where they're <laughs> being a flat out hero has no percentage, everyone can be a hero with the right circumstance. Bad things are yeah. going to happen to Ramsey. He's going to get his. Oh yeah. 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 He's definitely going to get his. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, and with Sansa, does it make her a weaker character because now she's not a virgin anymore? Not to me. I, I, it makes her strong. She, she picked up that, that wine cork and, and say, and, and took it to, to get out of that room. Like she's, she's still thinking, she's still planning. She's still trying. She's still, she's still trying. She's still going up to the tower with the candle. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like she doesn't give up. She doesn't just lie, you know, for, for, for lack of a better term, she doesn't just lie there and take it. She, she goes and, 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 and just keep trying to save herself. Right. Absolutely. And, and now, you know? She, you know, she doesn't know that John has been killed, but she, it's been put in her mind. Oh, I, my, my stepbrother or my bastard brother is at the wall. If I can make it to the wall. Yeah. yeah I've got somewhere to go. Right. And she knows that Brandon Ricken are alive still. Yeah. And and one thing I thought that, that both of these stories really brought up too, um, and in the books, uh, you know, obviously Shireen, this hasn't happened, the, the burning at the stake, but I have always got the feeling that Shireen was definitely dying and it was probably going to be patch face. She has like a little, uh, she has like a, a, like a jester character that has grayscale as well. That's totally insane mm. and speaks in these prophecies. Right. Um, in fact, she's singing the song when you first see her that are, that are based on his rhymes in the book that he was going to end up killing her, releasing Grayscale. Because that I think that's why the Grayscale is going to come from, the, from, from Essos or whatever, and the Grayscale is going to become from the North. It's going to kill a lot of characters faster and allow the, the, allow the walkers to, to you know, to move allow faster. the dead to rise. Yeah. Because that fucking wall is coming down. There's no way that wall is not coming down. Oh, definitely. So, <laughs> that fucker is coming down. Right. But, but, um, but, but what I think it brings up is, is empathy and, and who we allow ourselves to have empathy for uh when we know a character when we know when it was sansa stark and not jane Poole, who we don't really know it's different and i've heard even people say oh yeah but they do rape all the time you know they killed babies in the the, the premiere of the second season yeah there was a massacre of, of 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 all these nameless babies but when it's shireen because we know her and care about her it's different and it's like, well, shouldn't if you are an empathetic person, shouldn't you feel empathy for people going through this, and not just not just because it affects you? And, and so I think it brings up a larger question of how we look at a tragedy and how we look at even stuff in our own world and in, in the news. And when 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 people, you know, when drones are killing innocent people over in the Middle East, it's not that big of a deal to us, you know. But people are killed here, and we it's, we feel it closer to home. We have empathy. Well, when we really should have empathy for everybody. Right in that episode, we go from Shireen burning and screaming to Drogon torching dozens yeah. of people right in front yeah. of you. Yeah, you right. see it right exactly. there, and it's uh, yeah. The yeah. gut instinct is yeah, fuck them. You were going to kill the person I care about. There's, there's still people. Right. It's yep. so, so right in the episode, it sort of yeah. forces you if you're thinking, what kind of a douchebag am I? We've got walkers yeah. coming from from the north and potentially. Gray uh, Stone Man coming from the south is that what we're looking well, yeah, at? Well, yeah, that gray scale is going to get released. So yeah, so it could be of Stone Men or it just could it could kill people. And uh, that's actually a good point. I didn't think of that too. Uh, that, that that they will become Stone Men as as part of an army too. Because uh, you know, here's here's another thing that we haven't really touched on, um, and it kind of moves us in a slightly different direction. 
but Stannis, through whatever connections he had in terms of various meisters out there in the world, was able to find a cure for his daughter that at least halted the progression of the grayscale. So again, getting back no, to that. He did, I, I, yeah, I don't know if it was a, a cure, so to speak, but for some reason in children, it's not necessarily a death sentence. Okay. It's kind of like chicken pox. Where, where, but if you get it as an adult, it, it, it's like shingles. It will kill you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're screwed. But if for some reason in a, in a child, it can become dormant for some reason. So is the, is the presumption then that now that she's been burned, it's gone airborne? That's what I, that's my presumption. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. okay. I hadn't thought of that, but I suppose yeah. that's possible. That's my presumption. And Mormons. I, thought that, I, I had a feeling that's why she was going to get killed in the books. I, I just got that feeling like, oh, yeah, she, she's not long for this world. This sweet little innocent kid is going to get killed by the crazy patch faced jester, uh, you know, and it's going to release the grayscale. Plus Mormons wandering around just passing it along to yeah. all comers. Just touching everybody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Terpies for you, you. Yeah. Good Lord. <laughs> all right. So I probably should probably should have opened with the sexual violence thing. It felt like it brought it to a downer. Um, <laughs> it, it could get worse. We could talk about the sand snakes again. Oh, Christ. Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll, <laughs> that would have brought it to a downer. We'll move In on. Bad pussies. <laughs> Dude, do we even remember their names? That's how bad they are. I don't have a clue I off the top Obara of my head. was one of them. They're like Tits McGinty, Debbie Downer, and the other one. <laughs> In Boner Poison. <laughs> boner Poison. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's if, if either of you guys have, have anything else about the, the season that you want to say, otherwise we can move on to the, the comics. Uh, otherwise, actually, I've got one last thing, and it was just going through my notes. I was so drunk watching this episode, I forgot I put it down. But uh, in episode five, when Eamon was given the kill the boy speech to John, yes. uh, yeah. I had a moment where I felt like he was going full Yoda. <laughs> kill he the is. boy. The man give birth to. There is no try. And I, <laughs> and I wrote like half a page of like Game of Jedi scenarios. <laughs> like... uh. Like Luke gets eaten by a womp rat on the way to Moss Eisley because that's the kind of world it is. Aunt Beru gets a Vader-shaped hole pressure drilled into her pelvis. Uh, Han Solo wants to shoot first, but he's got that carbonite hand. God damn it! <laughs> I'd like to see the sparrows take on Dagobah. <laughs> yeah, this is. The, I, I would totally watch this if only to hear Mace Windu call Anakin Reek. It would be worth it for me. Yeah, that would be amazing. So that's the last thing I had. Anything you guys want to mention about the, the end of the season? Otherwise, let's move on to the books because, yeah, it, this is a fun show. It's also a long show, so we should move this to the comics. This is a long one. Uh, what, what the, well, I think that kill the boy, the kill the boy thing is, is exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. I think that, you know, Eamon, I think, saw that, that he's kill the boy and the man, you know, the, the savior will be reborn, you know? Yeah. Wow, there's no religious overtones there. Not at all. <laughs> I mean, really, really, every story is, is every kind of story like this is basically a Jesus story. It's yeah. All, yeah. Even a Jesus, even Jesus' story was a Jesus story based on uh, other stuff. You know? That strikes it's me a, more like Lord of the Rings, to tell you the truth. But. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The Matrix. It's all. <laughs> yeah, the Bible reminds us it's the greatest story ever told. The Matrix. It was <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the first one. The first there weren't one. two other books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
All right. They didn't tack on two other books <laughs> and Colonel Sanders in a white room. What are you talking about? There was only one <laughs> Matrix movie. Uh, right, exactly. That's how I feel about Indiana Jones. There was only three of them. Exactly. They gave me a spare coaster when I bought the full set, and I appreciate that. A place to put yeah, my beer. Nice. That's all I asked for. <laughs> <laughs> what is this mutt you speak of? Don't talk to me like an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> All right, which, which book do you guys want to talk about first? You know, since we're talking about um, a television property, why don't we move into the movie property adapted for yeah. comics? All right. So, yeah, we got... I think uh, it has a lot of the same themes, actually. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. all right, Mad Max, Fury Road, Furiosa, uh, number one, from Vertigo Comics. It was written by uh, George Miller, uh, who did the, the plot. So it, we know it's got a direct connection to the movie. Uh, okay. Script by Nico Lathoris and Mark Sexton, Art by Mark Sexton, Tristan Jones, and Simon Kudransky. Yeah, it's a Mad Max uh, is often, uh, particularly in the Road Warrior, presented as oral history from a future that is probably even fucking shittier than the future in the Road Warrior, or else <laughs> they'd be watching the Road Warrior movie the way God intended. But uh, yeah. anyway, this is the uh, oral history, and apparently it's going to be the first of a few books, uh, oral history of how Furiosa came to be the person who took the brides away from Immortan Joe and onto the Fury Road. Now, okay. a few episodes back, uh, episode 71, I think, uh, it was right after we saw the movie, uh, Amanda and I were talking about how I couldn't think of a way how you could translate the kinetic action of Fury Road into a comic book. Because that movie, John, have you seen it? I have not. No, I have okay. not. But I've heard, I've heard amazing things yeah. about it in that respect. It is almost constantly fast, kinetic, uh, real-time non-CGI action. Everything's constantly in motion. Um, and that doesn't even include the 3D effects because we didn't see it in 3D because fuck 3D movies. Right, yeah. <laughs> Those are for people who don't get migraines, I guess. But oh. um, so we just I was like, I don't know how you turn this into a comic book. And apparently the way you do it is by removing all the cars and replacing them with rape and abortions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was there's plenty of that in there. Yeah. Amanda, what what were your thoughts on this first? I, I think this book had a lot of the stuff that the the people on the internet that thought it was anti woman. No, um, I think it was <laughs> anti anti male. No, but penis be okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I I enjoyed the book. Um, I don't know that I I needed backstory per se, but what I enjoyed was that the book is tonally in line with the movie. You you can hear Miller's voice for his narrator from the other movie in the text boxes here for the the old man who's delivering the oral history upon the children. It it, it very much you can hear that same voice. Yeah, uh, from the movie. Absolutely. I think it's it's interesting to get a glimpse of of the world of the brides. Again, did I need it? I'm not sure. But that's I think people who are who are fans of the movie that are looking for more media to go with the movie are really going to enjoy this series. OK, because of that, that tonal carrying through. OK, so in that case, let's move to John. You've not seen Fury Road. Have you seen any of the Mad yeah. Max movies? Yeah, I mean, way back in the day. Yeah. OK, so yeah. you're at least vaguely familiar. What did you take from this not having seen the flick? Um, I liked it. Uh, I, I thought it was a little on the nose at times. So, some of the way that, like, I felt like they were way too open with speaking to each other. Yeah. 
in a character. Do you know what I mean? Like they they were saying stuff where I'm like, really, would these people say that to someone they just met like that? Like, yeah, there was. It, it, it was like their their emotions were like said in the dialogue like way too easily. Yeah, there, uh, there was some on the nose stuff like you know, oh Furiosa, who will protect us from you? And, you know, yeah, okay. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sorry. And then, then immediately after, I'm sorry, I got mad at you. I'm just being raped. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Weird, like, well, yeah, of course. You, I think you got a right to be upset. Yeah, it's... you earned it. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, like, um, but I, but I like the story. Um, I, I, I like the. Uh, I mean, the, the the characters are so gross. The the male characters are just disgusting. Um, oh yeah. And visually, visually, and just as as characters, they were just gross. Um, it felt like though, like I'm like I can't believe it's gonna be a series. Like it felt like that leads directly to the movie. It pretty much did. And I think yeah. that I think the next part of the series which I'm a little concerned about is going to be about uh Max's background, which I I oh, know what Yeah, probably. Yeah. I know what but that is. To... I I saw Mad Max. I saw the Road yeah, Warrior. Exactly. So yeah. I'm, I'm not sure what that'll add to it. And I, and from what I hear in the movie, he's almost like uh like a Clint Eastwood style stranger in town kind of character anyway. Just about, but after yeah, yeah. Mad Max, that's sort of what he always was. He comes in yeah. and tries to do something. Yeah. So, yeah, these He's movies. High drifter. Yeah, yeah the, these movies have always been two thirds western with cars thrown in. Exactly. So, yeah, totally. So, which is fine. Um, I, I, uh, the, the the other thing too, I thought was weird was the fact that she was going to be the guard of the of these brides, you know, and protect them protect them from the big guy that was that wanted to have them as well. And then she sat by and watched them get raped, and then, which is kind of the, like the Theon thing, really. And then she was like, she then she left for like a, a, a an indeterminate amount of time. It seems like she was gone for a little while. Yeah, it's a uh, Immortan Joe, the 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 dude who was uh, doing the raping. Um, yeah, yeah, he sent her away. The 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 two uh, ugly guys, those were actually his sons. So oh, okay. So it, it made a certain amount of sense to me that this is how she was introduced to them. Cause yeah, it's, if, if you've seen any Mad Max movie, the, yeah, women who aren't covered in sores and separating, you know, tumors out of the back yeah. of their neck, they're, they're few and far between. So, okay. Yep. You need a woman to guard them. So from a yeah. plot standpoint of this is how they were exposed to each other. That made a lot of sense to me. Most of what this book did for me was filling in some of the things from the movie that didn't necessarily make sense. Cause, uh, okay. Cause like okay. if these women were in this, uh, area that nobody could get into and completely under the control of Joe, why did they need chastity belts? Well, okay. You're going to send the guard away and okay. So right. I get why that happened, but, but I don't even understand why he gave them the chastity belts in the first place. It wasn't like they were having sex with people. No, he was more concerned about oh, yeah. the ability of his sons to to maintain control of themselves around them. That, there you go. Yeah, that's right. Because it was done in conjunction with sending Furiosa away, right? Yeah. yeah. That's right. Okay. That that yeah, okay. That yeah, I forgot about that. Okay. That makes sense. But it's when it comes to Furiosa's backstory, we really don't learn almost anything new from this. No. You know, we, really. It's we, really about the brides. Yeah, we sort of get the sense that maybe she was a bride at one point, but she never confirms it. But otherwise, yeah, it's everything we know about her we already knew from Fury Road. Yeah, with the brides, okay, we see the horrible conditions that they're in, that they're being treated by livestock, but we already, we already kind of knew that. You know, it, it fleshed it out a little bit, but not in any way that uh, this would be the stuff that it was if it was in the movie would be the deleted scenes. You'd cut it because it's 
none of it's really sure. necessary that I saw. Yeah, I, I think the yeah. audience for this book are those who really, really, really love the world that was created for yeah. Fury Road and want more of it. Yeah, this right. is this is the downloadable content for your video game. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. And, 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 and it doesn't take away from the movie itself or it also doesn't give away anything if they have plans to do more movies. Right. Yeah. It, it's like you said, it's filling in some holes that are there, but that really don't need to be filled in. But that people might be willing to pay five bucks and, and read it. Yeah. And, and Amanda, you pointed this out and it's it's true. I learned more about Miss Giddy, the teacher. Yeah. Than yeah. I did anybody else who was in the movie. Right. You know, and that was kind of cool. But yeah, it's ultimately, yeah, I think you both hit it on the head as, you know, as additional stuff, if you're absolutely in love with the world, you know, okay, it's pretty cool, but it is certainly not essential. Yeah, I, I would have rather seen more stories from the viewpoint of a Miss Giddy or one of the war boys and, and a, a, just a different look at the world rather than a filler scene that I could have probably in my mind, this didn't really add anything to my understanding of what life was like for them generally leading into the yeah. movie. Yeah. And it's hopefully they'll get to maybe one of the war boys. Cause like I said, the next one's max and I know his story and yeah. it's got a fucking V eight supercharged interceptor in it. And that's <laughs> one where they're going to have to be careful telling the story because for fans who go back to the first movie that if you screw with his backstory too much, right. yeah, you're, you'll get a little bit of backlash there. Yeah, and if you fuck up and have him say sweet tits to somebody, man, you've ruined the whole thing. I know. <laughs> I think they'll say Tom Bombadil, and they'll just wait to see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why didn't they just give him the ring? That's what I don't understand. <laughs> Why didn't they just fly on those fucking birds all the way to Mordor? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They were right there. So many, so many ways. All right, so why don't we move on to uh, Thor's number one, uh, written by Jason Aaron, uh, art by Chris Sprouse. Now, before we get into it, uh, John, I know you haven't been reading a lot of uh, Marvel yeah. books recently, so do you know anything? I, I specifically asked you not to go looking too much into what's happening with Secret Wars, because I want to see the your fucking face when I tell I, you. I remember Secret Wars growing up with the Beyonder, and, yep. right? Was that the Beyonder? Uh, yes. Yeah, where they had Battle World or whatever, yep. and they brought everybody to to fight each other. So yep. I remember that. And so all I know of the current Secret Wars is what I read in the front of the comic, you know, in the in, in the inlay of the comic there. So uh, that's it. That's all I know. So I'm like, why am I reading? Why are the Thors acting like hacky police show <laughs> procedural? <laughs> like right down to Odin going, get the hell out of my office. I want to bust you down to private. Like I was like, what the fuck am I reading? I don't understand. All right. So, so I recognize Beta Ray Bill right away though. That oh yeah. So yeah. all right. Here's what's been happening for like the, the last year and a half. We've had alternate universes infringing upon the Marvel universe. Okay. And if the two Earths ever touch, both universes would be wiped out. So um, for the last year and a half or so, Reed Richards, Captain America, Namor, Black Panther, Tony Stark, and Black Bolt have been working in secret to destroy these alternate universes to save theirs. Okay. Now, to the point, at one point, they, de they defeated a version of the Justice League to allow that universe, again, that universe full of people, to be destroyed. 
So yay heroes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it comes down to the final two universes. This is the real start of Secret Wars. It's the the main Marvel universe, the six one six, and the Ultimate Universe for like Ultimate Spider Man and okay. They're, they're, that Thor was the Ultimate Thor, right? Right from the Ultimates. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay, that's what I thought. That's so yeah, thought. they're the last two universes. Now, rather than join forces to try and figure out a way to save them both, Mister Fantastic creates a lifeboat. He packs a few superheroes on it, and he escapes. Like Noah. Allowing the entire Marvel <laughs> Universe to be destroyed. So Did he take two of each superhero? <laughs> he didn't even think that fucking far ahead. So, <laughs> so now all the pieces of every universe that managed to survive are on this new planet, conveniently called yeah. Battleworld. Doctor Doom is the God Emperor. You're going to hear some familiar things here. Doctor Strange is the sheriff. He enforces Doom's will. Yeah. Okay. Doom's Doom's primary guard, uh, the King's guard. I mean, Doom guard. They're <laughs> Thors. They wear red cloaks. Yeah. Okay. Doom rules from a town called Doomstadt that has a giant statue of Galactus on it. You know oh, that wow. that Titan Galactus. Yeah. Doom built a giant wall in the south called the Shield. And behind it are monsters like Ultrons and symbiotes and the Marvel zombies. And when you're punished, you're sent to guard the wall. I mean, the shield. <laughs> and the monsters behind the shield are trying, constantly trying to find a way out. Every piece of the Marvel universe has its own country and it's ruled by its own baron. And they're constantly scheming to take power from Dr. Doom. And nobody remembers the Marvel universe. So it's this giant feudal world. with a Right. It it, it's basically Westeros in the Marvel universe. Exactly. <laughs> born of wow. a born of a disaster where nobody acted like a fucking hero. They, <laughs> Not one person. They they even draw Doctor uh, Doctor Strange to look like Littlefinger. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. So, given that context, I'm so glad I so told. So why are they cops though? Why are they like cops in a bad eighties? Movie starring Gregory Hines and Chris. Like, well, why? Again, the the, the, the Thors, <laughs> the Thors of every universe are the the Doom Guard. So they are they are yeah. basically the police of Battleworld. Right. And, and see, the thing is, but they speak like police. They don't speak like Thors. Oh, I know. But you know what? <laughs> I I got a huge kick out of it because, and here's why: like for a year and a half, it's been superheroes allowing universes to die to save themselves and that went on for a year and a half oh my yeah, god yeah it's particularly in avengers and new avengers it was sort of in a piece but it kept yeah. getting bigger and bigger until it finally hit secret wars so if you're going to blow up the marvel universe in that kind of context yeah. yeah fuck it give me a book where oh screw it you know what uh, this is all once secret wars is over it's going to be a whole new you know dc style after crisis universe anyway uh, yeah. uh why not have some fucking fun with this ridiculous fucking situation. You tell me the Thors are the police. I'm going to yeah. write a fucking police story. That, and that was, that was actually fun. Like it was, I, I, I didn't mind it. I was just confused. Uh, I don't understand why Groot is a Thor and why the frog is a Thor, but storms, a Thor <laughs> storm. Well, as, storms a Thor. as we have learned for the first few issues of secret war, um, they hold uh, festivals where there are hammers and they find new worthy. 
So they oh, become, gotcha. okay. so there are constantly new Thors. You have to be worthy just like forever. But since yeah. there are all these universes, there are all these hammers lying around. There are people that might be worthy, like the vision like, yeah. was. Yeah, so, yeah, cool. All right. So you well, get, makes- you get Thor the green, who's the stereotypical yeah. rookie cop who's never seen a dead right. guy before and doesn't know right. how to deal oh, with okay. a fucking crime scene. Don't vomit and, on my crime scene. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it, yeah, it was every fucking stupid element from every, oh, even remotely every- half decent cop show or movie oh, in the last yeah. 30 years you know the old cop with the casual racism ah these fucking muties and yeah uh, yeah it's a cop bar they had a cop bar yep, yep. cop <laughs> bar sarcastic yeah. medical examiner who yeah happens to yep. be a frog with a fucking thor hammer the, the only thing that was missing was beta ray bill saying shit i'm only two weeks away from retirement god oh, damn yeah, it i'm <laughs> too old for this shit yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it was big and silly and on the nose, yeah. but it was fucking fun. And it was fun. It was the, fun. I enjoyed it. It was fun in the face of, yeah, watching Mr. Fantastic abandon the world to be destroyed mm-hmm. and you know, realizing an issue, too. It's like, oh, dude, all you're doing is writing Game of Thrones as superheroes. Why? Why? Oh. It's at least this was. Yeah. Jason Aaron writes some great books. And I, I know you don't read a ton of comics now. Do yourself a favor. Yeah. Go on Comixology or go whatever comic store is near. Yeah. Find Southern Bastards. Oh, okay. Which is a, an indie book that he's doing with an artist, uh, Jason Latour. And it's just about this utterly corrupt Southern football town and the crime that happens there. It's oh, a, wow. There was a new issue of it this week, uh, issue nine, that was spectacular. I didn't want to lay that one on you to to talk about since you hadn't read any, yeah. any of the other ones, but do yourself a favor and check that one out. All right, well, I'll definitely check that out. Yeah, what kind of threw me off with the comics was DC was the new 52, really kind of. I think that sent me a spiral. I was just like, I'm not interested in any of these characters. None it of this put many of us off. If it helps, they just finished an event called Convergence where they've really kind of opened up the old school multiverse again, and all those old characters are at least yeah. going to be available to tell stories. So oh, okay, well that's good because I like the the fifty two series event. You know that that the question really featured heavily in that was great. That, that was, was a lot I really of fun. Enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that. The, they made the question a great character right before they kill it off. But yeah, <laughs> but uh, between that and Justice League Unlimited, they really did a great job with the question. Um, and and I really enjoyed that and it, with you know Black Adam and all that stuff and yeah uh, but then the then the whole spinning off with all the new number ones and the characters it just it kind of lost me there. It's a they've just like I said they've just just done a soft reboot and a lot okay. of those characters are available again but you won't necessarily start seeing them right away. But right. Uh, give also do yourself a favor give uh, like the latest action comics and the latest Batman give them a try yeah. they're trying something very different and neither one of them are going to be forever they've been pretty upfront with no these are just stories that we're going to try keep but an they, open oh, mind okay. with the batman yeah particularly okay. with batman yeah, keep batman an open. was always my favorite yeah keep an open mind keep an open mind <laughs> okay. with it but they're they're trying something different with it for a limited amount of time and they're at least i think they've gotten the message that yeah okay we froze out a lot of yeah. uh, a lot of readers who were really invested in everything from crisis up until flashpoint sure. Yeah, and all right, let's let's try and shake things up and and broaden things because yeah, I really think they were shooting with the new Fifty Two with we want men and we want them between sixteen and thirty two years yeah. old and God knows I stuck with some of them. You know, Batman continued to be pretty good all the way through. 
Yeah. Uh, a lot of them fell off my list. So I'm, I'm feeling at least a little bit of, uh, a little bit of confidence and optimism with what they've done with convergence. Well, one of, one of my favorite manners of when they shook up something and made it totally different, but it was still amazing was in Batman when they did no man's land. Okay. Oh, yeah. The huge, the huge earthquake. And it basically, you know, they had the different, the turf that was controlled by the villains yep. and there was, that was wonderful. I have that whole series, the, the, the trade pa- paperbacks for that. That was, that was great. And that was totally different and something totally you know, totally unlike anything that had come before it in Batman. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I was fine with that. So it's not a case of it being different. I'm more a case of like, you just fucking scrap everything. And then I'm supposed to care about these people now. Yeah. Well, the, like I said, Convergence was a soft reboot. So the stuff that happened yeah. in the new 52 has still happened, but they're trying to do different things. So given it, I've really enjoyed what they've done with Superman, even though it's very different. Um, okay. and, and with, with Batman, but realistically, yeah, it was just a last week or the week before. Yeah, it was the beginning of June. They started doing some of these new series. So it's a decent yeah. place to just, you know, dip your toe in and see if there's anything that's working for you. Cool. All right. I will. I will do that. All right. So anything else on Thor's? Okay. Can I take a moment to just talk about how I, I love the fact that Beta Ray Bill talks about the time he, he collared Fonzie? I had, <laughs> I had missed that until you pointed it out. <laughs> Ask me tomorrow about the time I bagged a ghostwriter who wrote a shark. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. I just I oh, thought that's great. I just I thought this book was really enjoyable. So for me, with with Battle World coming out of Secret Wars, I'm going to take the fun pieces where I can get them until the whole thing sure. shakes out because this whole situation has felt like a response to the New Fifty Two. I yeah. was lukewarm at best with most of the New Fifty Two. So I'm just I'm finding myself gravitating towards more independent comics, waiting for both of these publishers to write themselves. Well, Secret yeah. Wars, they've the Marvel's been pretty open that, oh, yeah, we started planning this coincidentally right after the new 52 started. And I think they mm. after a while realized they were locked in. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'm I, I'm I will continue with Secret Wars because uh, let's face it, we have a comics podcast and we have to read these things. But content people. But yeah, exactly. Got to keep dumping it out. But <laughs> so yeah, Thor's not in any way what I expected from a Thor comic, even from Jason that Aaron. Was fun. But it, it it was a hoot. It's one yeah. of the, the up with the Deadpool Secret Secret Wars. One of the more most fun books yeah. since Secret Wars started out. So. I really enjoyed the bantering too about the the oh oh he's the guy that caught thirteen Hulks. Yeah. Tell the story like that stuff was just fun. It was fun. Like yeah. it was it was it was a lot of fun. It's a, there's been a dearth of fun in Secret Wars, and this one this one meets the bill. So, all yeah, right, good. All right, we should probably wrap it up, John, before I start <laughs> doing the outro. Because yeah, th- this one was a long one. So, listeners, yeah. thank you, you got, for hanging you got in. Two episodes out of this. Well, <laughs> It's it, it just shows how much fun we were having with it. It's some great yeah. conversations. So yeah, listeners, thanks for hanging in on this. Uh, John, any websites, Twitter, anything you want to promote uh, other than the stuff we talked about earlier in the show? Feel free to do it now. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at jkeats, J-K-E-A-T-S. Uh, if you want to check out the trailer for Concessionaires, cmdthemovie.com. Uh, or cmdthemovie.net and uh, and genz.org is where all the information on Gen Z is. So there you go. Great. All right. Awesome. Otherwise, listeners, if you're still there, (laughs) 
Don't know how you found this show, because you can find it in a bunch of places, but you can always find us on our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. Uh, we are on Facebook. You can find a link to our Facebook page through our home site, and we certainly get messages through there. We are on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at Infinite Midlife. You remembered. I finally remembered after three <laughs> fucking years. It's finally starting to sink in. You can find us on Tumblr, crisisoninfinitemidlives.tumblr.com. You can email us, crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. Uh, let's see. We are on iTunes. We if, you are. Ha- if you happen to find the show there, do us a favor and shoot us a review. Give us a rating. Helps people find the show, and we like hearing from listeners. You can uh, find us on TuneIn Radio. We're proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. I leave anything out? I think that's all of it. I think that is it. So this has been Episode 75 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlives show. John Keating, thank you very much for being a guest. We had a lot of fun talking with you, and you definitely elevated our game when it comes to Game of Thrones, man. So thank you again. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Absolutely. That was a blast. I really enjoyed it. Anytime. Otherwise, I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thanks for listening, and derp. Cool. I, I brought an extra beer up here, and I didn't think I'd need it, but Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs>